everybody, and welcome to the Energetic Principles Podcast. I'm your host, Melissa LaFera, an astrologer, tarot consultant, and all-around creative from sunny San Diego, California. And this is the 123rd episode of the podcast, airing November 21st, 2021. Now, in this episode, I'm delighted to welcome back my special guest and dear friend, Jack Marsh, who joined me on the podcast to break down Sagittarius season 2021. Now, Jack and I put our astral lenses on to look at the Sag ingress chart to pull out characteristics that these next 30 days unravel. Uh, And of course, we dissected all that South Node action and Sun-Mercury-Kazemi action that really leads us into the final eclipse that wraps up the Gemini. Sagittarius eclipse axis that has been dominating the celestial story for the past 18 months. We also talk about the significations of the archer, Jupiter coming back into focus, and the stations of Neptune, Chiron, and the star of our last planetary focus and last episode, which was Venus. And so I always love chatting and, of course, laughing with Jack. And there really was so much for us to riff on uh, with this closing out season of the year. So sit back, grab the popcorn, and join us on this journey that is Sagittarius season. Now, a wonderful way to show appreciation for this podcast and my astrological efforts is, of course, by making a one-time donation over at Mel's Tip Jar, but also by booking a personal consultation uh, if you would like to know more about your own stars and configurations through my eyes and my astrological lens. Uh, And so I do have consultations that are based solely on astrology and also where I mix astrology and tarot together. So pick your poison, or shall I say pleasure? And all of that can be done over on my site at energeticprinciples.com. And just a friendly reminder that I am still kicking along with my new monthly newsletter called The Heavenly Wind. And so I'm a few editions in now, and it's been actually really fun for me to create. And of course, before we know it, December will be around the corner. So if you would like to get my newsletter in your inbox to see all that December astrology brings, to see the tarot correspondences that I pull, and also the animal ambassador action, you can sign up for my mailing list where you listen to this podcast in the description, but also on my website and my Instagram over at Energetic Principles. So, all right, I think that's all I have to share. And just a little sneak peek, I'm going to be back uh, when am I going to be back? Mid-December with Gray Crawford to su- to suggest, to suggest all about 2022, to suggest, to digest, to invest, invest, I don't know. I'm just word playing now. It's Gemini moon I'm recording this under, but I'm excited to come back with Gray Crawford to do our yearly breakdown. So you know you're not going to want to miss that. So just a little heads up. All right. So who is ready to hear all about Sagittarius season? Here we go. Now let's meet our guest. All right. I am so happy to welcome back to the program. It's been so long, too long. Uh, One of the guests that actually have been on the program more than most guests have, and that is Jack Marsh. Thanks for joining me again, Jack. It is a pleasure to be back, Mel. Good to see you. I know. Jack and I have not connected since the right before COVID. What you said, it was March 2020. And we did our, uh, well, we were did it in February, but it was for our Pisces, Pisces. season. Was it Pisces season 2020? It was for Pisces season. When we talked about, um, yeah, when we talked about Pisces of 2020, right as COVID had really started to um, envelop 
the nation enveloped the world. And uh, um, you had chosen me for that season because of my Mars and Pisces. We talked a lot about navigating Mars and Pisces. Oh, man. It's, uh, it makes me want to go back and listen to that episode because... <laughs> In some respects, yes. In some respects, no. I'm all just move on. I don't <laughs> get me out of there. But it's so interesting that COVID hit, and then I have not uh, gotten to catch up with Jack in some time. And we did a bunch of different forecasts together. We've done all types of different um, oh, forecasts yeah. related. A lot of fire seasons um, uh, for some Leo. We uh, and so and now we're back for another fiery season. Of course, Sagittarius. Woo! Um, I know for the end of our nodal, um, our nodal transit through the Gemini Sagittarius axis, mm-hmm. um, and what a ending shebang that this is going to be <laughs> oh, for, our, <laughs> for our Capricorn, um, turn of the wheel yeah, and then the transition of the nodes into our, into our new axis, um, which is that in and of itself is going to be a whole, I know you'll get into this in your next episode too, but that's going to be a whole transitional period, especially I was just looking at, I mean, as a teaser, um, I was looking at that just the other day. um, And the whole season is this interplay of the nodal shift, because if you go by the true node, that doesn't happen to the very end of the Capricorn season, literally at 28 degrees Capricorn is when the true node shifts. But if you use the mean node, which certain astrologers like Stephen Forrest swear by, Mm. then um, the nodal shift actually happens right at the beginning, like at like two degrees Capricorn. Oh, so the actual, to me, that speaks to the fact that the Capricorn season is going to be a whole shift from beginning to end of this transition between the, the, the nodal energies. And, um, I think it's just going to be something that, I mean, it's absolutely going to be felt on a global level because that sign change is, um, is like the turning of the light switch. Yeah, uh, it definitely is something that is, uh, profoundly felt. Um, we got a few eclipses to get through before we, we get do. There. Well, that's, that's so, that is always such the case with mutable energy that moves to Cardinal. Like they're both so um, pivotal in their, you know, we have to go through the transition first and the wrapping up and the adapting and the, the, the morphing of energy in order to get to the pivot and itself that is so initiating and, and life-changing. And so they're really one in of each other. Like we, we have to go through this. Uh, we have to wrap up all this Sagittarius Gemini, uh, action. Um, and you know, Sagittarius season has a lot, uh, in store. Of course we are speaking from Scorpio season right now, as Mars is about to oppose Uranus. We're about to have a, uh, lunar eclipse in Taurus. So all this will have passed by the time this comes out next week. But, um, you know, this, this whole end of 2021 is not letting up as far as like what's on the astrological plate. Absolutely. And this whole, I mean, it's been a bit of a relentless two weeks. I mean, leading up to this, uh, this lunar eclipse that we're about to have this week, um, conjunct Caput Algol in Taurus at, um, I mean, within a degree, um, Algol at 26 degrees Taurus and the, the lunar eclipse at 27 degrees Taurus. Um, it, uh, since the new moon we've had um, in this two week span, like the, the whole, trampling and tragic death incidences in, in, uh, in oh, Texas yeah. at the mm-hmm. concert. Um, I mean, talk about people losing their heads and like going crazy. Um, and there's definitely that energy around eclipses where the eclipse portal, I guess, technically does open with the first eclipse of the season, but there is a build certainly. Um, and then also with uh, the things in the news <clears throat> with Kamala Harris coming out, I mean, since the last full moon, because Kamala Harris actually in her natal chart has 
the Aries full moon at uh, mm. 27 degrees of Aries and Libra sun at 27 degrees, which was the last the last nation, full moon. Yeah. Right. In her natal chart. And in the last uh, month, there have been um, some some uh, things coming out with like uh, members of her staff passing around an onion article about her. Like uh, Kamala Harris has been um, uh, like requested by the White House to patiently sit by her computer awaiting emails. Like uh, <laughs> just uh, just things where there have been um, the astrology has been so literal in its manifestation as per usual. Um, it's just, uh, uh, I mean, I don't want to necessarily be political in my statements, just say that the astrology is being literal with its manifestations. So, um, it's yeah. uh, definitely a lot to sink your teeth into. It is, it is. And I'm just thinking about like the, uh, this lunar eclipse coming up in Taurus and then Venus having moved into Capricorn. Cause one of the things we'll be talking about with Sagittarius season is right before it ends, Venus goes retrograde in Capricorn, which is a whole story that plays into Capricorn season. Um, mm. uh, and even a little bit of Aquarius season. And, you know, one of the big headlines is inflation is the largest it's ever been in 30 years time. And like, you know, the prices are soaring through the roof and we have this eclipse coming and earth signs. We have, you know, just yeah. Venus and value and worth and Capricorn and what we're being charged. And, you know, the, the things have the, the store, gas, uh, rent, you know, property, like all right. these things, it's all coming up. And, and as, as you mentioned earlier, this shift that's about to happen uh, to move the nodes into Taurus and uh, Scorpio, I think this is going to bring a lot more of these types of things. Because I'm like, whoo! I was at the I was at the taco shop yesterday, and I'm like, uh, my partner and I just got like a, not the largest meal, and it was like twenty three dollars. I'm like, I'm like twenty three dollars. That's I swear, like a couple years ago, I would have gone to this taco shop and I would have got out with the two two meals for like maybe half of that. Like, it's just Absolutely. crazy of like where, how money and, um, anyways, tangent, uh, <laughs> oh, for sure. I mean, and gas prices as well. I, I will say that I drive a convertible smart car. Oh. And so that thing is very fuel efficient. And when, um, when I have to fill a smart car that has a seven gallon tank and it is more than $20 to fill the smart car, that it is, um, it is a travesty, a travesty of justice. Um, uh, and uh, <laughs> uh, speaking of the uh, economy and the nodal transit is uh, like nodal axis transiting into the Scorpio um, Taurus axis as well. Historically speaking, um, one factor that um, may have been providing the United States with a bit of more stability during this last COVID um, period was the fact that the nodal axis was in uh, Gemini North Node and Sagittarius South Node. Historically, that has um, aligned with more stable periods in the United States economy specifically. And, um, that's definitely one thing that, um, that, uh, astrologer Nina Griffin has pointed out, um, has been historically a stabilizing factor to the U S economy and has likely been, um, contributing to our somewhat more, I mean, we've had all these government, um, uh, stimulus 
checks mm-hmm. being handed out. But, and that, that, you know, that was the tangible result of the stabilizing of our economy. But the astrological background to that was the nodal transit being in the North Zone in Gemini, which um, she pointed out has always historically corresponded to a stabilizing in the United States um, uh, financial markets. And so as we move into this new period of um, the North Node being in Taurus and South Node being in Scorpio, we also lose the sort of stellar protection, if you will, at least historically speaking, of that extra buffer of the North Node being in Gemini for at least the United States chart. And um, so that combined that destabilizing energy of the nodes and the ecliptic and the eclipse seasons being co-present with the um, already destabilizing energies of Uranus, yeah. we're going to definitely see some major, major shakeups. Um, yeah, I I know, and uh, I mean, I know this. Uh, the listenership is not all American here, but oh, um, that's so, so but true. It, but it's just interesting to think of like. Uh, what was it back in October when our government was uh, going through this national debt crisis and then they were putting everything off until December 3rd, which happens to be our Sagittarius solar eclipse. And so there is, (laughs) yeah, I know, right on the ascendant of the Sibley chart too, very close to it. Um, And so there is a story brewing there, but before we even get into any of that, <laughs> we just before we in. just rolled through 10 minutes of, you know, tons of stuff, uh, I, you know, just in case you're, you know, you, you're newer to the podcast. And when I say newer, you it's 18 months <laughs> plus <laughs> Jack, you know, tell the listeners who you are, what, what you, what you do. And, uh, let's talk a little bit about what we were talking about before, um, too, before we hit record. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Well, my name is Jack Marsh. I am a DC area based astrologer, Washington, DC. I have been doing astrology. Oh my goodness. I am 31. So I've been doing astrology for uh, over a decade now, which is absurd to me. Um, And professionally, I've been doing astrology for going on um, five years. I met Mel at the uh, United Astrology Conference, UAC, in Chicago. Was that 2018? That was 2018. Oh, my May of twenty, May of 2018, I think. The, the time she flies. I know. <laughs> it does. And, uh, yeah, the last time I was in the podcast, I um, we were uh, speaking. And at that time, I was working with um, uh, Yoga Alliance, the world's largest credentialing organization for yoga teachers and yoga teacher training programs. Um, which was a beautiful um, time in my life. I really loved working with that organization. Um, If you are one of the over a quarter million registered yoga teachers with Yoga Alliance worldwide, um, you can still uh, see my face and hear my voice as part of a leader of virtual events (laughs) on their website and some Facebook live events that are still available to the public. Um, I moderated some discussions on the Facebook lives, um, dealing with reopening your health related or yoga or fitness related businesses in a post COVID world, um, with, uh, some, uh, advice from insurance providers and, uh, legal counsel as uh, to best practices to reopen. So those are some useful resources available to anyone. If you want to look those up. Um, and one thing that was a really beautiful thing during my time there was that as, a uh, as an astro literate person on the team, um, 
uh, the board of directors at that time, um, it, it, it used to be the case that for yoga teacher training programs, that you were not allowed to include uh, Jyotish or Ayurveda, the two sister sciences of the three sister sciences of yoga, Ayurveda and Jyotish in your yoga teacher training programs. That has since changed. So if you are one of the many yoga persons that also does astrology, which there are many, um, please do know that if you have a yoga alliance teacher training program, or you're planning on starting one, or you're a part of one, that it is now the case that you are absolutely allowed to include um, introductory level electives of both Ayurveda and Vedic uh, astrology or Jyotish in your yoga teacher training programs for uh, yoga alliance credit. Um, at the uh, 200, 300, and 500 hour level yoga teacher training programs. And that is a change that happened um, uh, during the time of my tenure there. It was a choice made at the higher levels. And um, as a result of that, uh, I actually gave two internal presentations um, uh, for Yoga Alliance for the staff. One was on the differences between Western and uh, Vedic astrology. And another presentation was a special Valentine's Day presentation on the context of Vedic astrology in relationships and um, applications of Vedic astrology and things like arranged marriages. And we talked about uh, tools like uh, the nakshatras in uh, compatibility. So um, it was a really, really amazing thing to be a part of. Uh, I know there's some controversy in the yoga community around Yoga Alliance and all the yoga credentialing organizations because it's hard to make standards for some, for any discipline, just like in astrology. Yes. It's very controversial to make standards for anything that's as massive as yoga or astrology. But as someone that saw it from the inside out, I can tell you that it's full of people that have the best intentions at heart and that really put the practice first. Um, and it, it really is a beautiful organization. Um, during uh, during COVID, uh, I, as I helped to see them also transition yoga teacher trainings to an online context um, because you know people couldn't meet in person, uh, I also went through this bit of like minute of the soul period too, where I found that because you know, because I actually, I have a degree in music. I have a degree in music. Oh, pardon me. I have a <laughs> the, 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 pr the printer. Yes, <laughs> I have a printer here and it is an ancient printer. There we go. All right. So <laughs> it sounded like a little, it sounded like crickets chirping. That's what it sounded it like, like in my head. chirping gremlins. <laughs> um, I had a bit of a minute of the soul period where I, um, I have a degree in music and I found myself apart from being on the internal education committee with yoga Alliance, and then being able to assist with leading virtual events and um, using my knowledge of astrology to, to help um, better the goals of the organization. Um, my degree did limit me to being in a customer service role outside of those educational positions. And so I actually got back in touch with my spiritual roots um, in the context of astrological um, magical practices. And I did a wonderful, really beautiful rite during the alignment of Jupiter and Saturn at zero degrees Aquarius last year. And it was a really beautiful moment where um, for me that falls right on um, inside of the ninth house of uh, education for me. And I, after that moment, I had um, a really profound realization that there is um a large demographic of the astrological community that I think that I fall into. And I realized that 
you know, there are a lot of people that are in the astrological community that are out there that talk about, you know, when you become an astrologer and, it, you know, it's nerve wracking, but eventually you just got to put yourself out there and you make the leap and you become the professional astrologer. But there are others of us that are professional astrologers that are astrologers in our hearts and souls that also are really deeply karmically meant to also have full professions in society as well. And I think great examples of this are Christopher Warnock and Nina Griffin, who are both uh, uh, lawyers of different kinds, Nina Griffin, a corporate lawyer, and uh, Christopher Warnock also <clears throat> is a, ma he's a major league legal counsel, also in the DC area. And I realized that, I mean, I had this whole major download, like Jupiterian, Saturnian download from the universe. And I had all these pieces connect for me. And I actually um, have gone back to graduate school and I am currently enrolled getting my master's of business administration. Um, yes, my MBA. Yeah. And, uh, my goal is to uh, really get into a career in human resources, HR, um, so that I can be part of building company culture. Uh, conflict resolution and putting the right people in the right roles. So uh, getting to work directly with people to help organizations and people themselves to be the best versions of themselves and to be better to people as a whole within a company culture context. And for those that you know have an ear for astrology, you can probably easily hear how astrology would be deeply applicable to all. So of fitting. <laughs> <laughs> and totally Gemini as a double Gemini with yeah. the moon. Like that absolutely speaks to my soul. And I really, um, as soon as I realized that's what I wanted to do, you know, I'm I'm so fulfilled right now being in school, um, doing astrology again, and I'm still teaching yoga in the city. We've reopened for um, in-person classes. So I am teaching yoga at District Flow Yoga in person in uh, Washington, D.C. You can come take my class. Um, and uh, it's just, uh, it's been a really beautiful discovery. And um, I cannot wait to bring our art to both the um, the suspecting and the unsuspecting in the world. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And well, that's the thing that's so interesting is like the... I mean, you and I both know, as you're saying, uh, what you would ideally, the role you'd ideally like to um, service and how well astrology would fit in there. And the question is, is are we able to use these valuable and ancient tools to better the society in like, in kind of unsuspecting ways, you know, that's like, I, and I'm hoping that, and maybe this is a role of, you know, the whole Jupiter-Neptune conjunction coming and Pisces and, you know, just opening up. So many people are more open up, opened up to astrology and, and different kind of, different kinds wow. of sciences, alternative sciences, I guess we can say <clears throat> that are, we're not so open to, um, or you were considered strange or on the outskirts for, you know, following such things, but it's really getting uh, a wider following. And, and it, if more people accept the craft and the craft is then interwoven into daily experience or day, like we live in a, a, a corporate world, you know, and I don't think that's going away anytime soon. Of course, we'll try to dismantle it in little ways as, as much as we possibly can. But how do we work within that framework that already exists and better it in the Aquarian, you know, uh, 
sense, especially with Saturn moving through there. And of course, Jupiter as well. And like you said, the Jupiter Saturn conjunction in Aquarius that is setting up a longer cycle to use these valuable tools to create better experiences and um, reinforce the structure by using ideology that actually just works if we just access it and get the right people like yourself in those positions. But I love it. That's, that's what I have to say. <laughs> oh, thanks Mel. Yeah. And I really, I wanted to say that on air as well, just because I, I, I really have this, uh, this sort of spiritual inclination, like spiritual suspicion that there are people that are listening that probably fall into that category as well, that they may, you know, may be deeply into astrology and they may be in that camp where they want to put themselves out there as a professional astrologer, or they want to be doing this work at a deeper level, but they might not fit into the category of their life's mission is to be only, or not only is in that's a limiting thing, but where their primary thing is to be the professional astrologer. Perhaps there are many listeners where there is this very mutable, very cool <laughs> yeah. thing going on where uh, you, where it is part of your karmic purpose to have a, like a very, uh, a very significant role within a, an industry of society, in addition to having a really profound astrological practice. So just something to meditate on for sure. Yeah. I just, I, I get that. I get that. I've been there. I've been there. Uh, who knows? At some time I could go back there, but I think it's, I think it's true because I have a lot of people that come to me all the time that are looking to make the leap or like the, the idea of the profession. <clears throat> um, uh, but it's kind of scary to like get in it. Will it support me? You know, but just keeping that, um, option on, you know, on the plate and realizing that, this seems like a very fixed sign thing, actually, you don't have to go all in. Like you don't have to put all your (laughs) chips on the astrological table. You know, like if anything, I feel like there's a lot of people um, with the shift of just the way the work world and the labor force is going that, you know, as they call them side hustles. And I don't think, you know, being a professional astrologer is a side hustle, but I, if we're going to use that terminology, (laughs) you know, like for people that still provide consultations or do work or write or whatever. Um, and, but it's not the full time, essentially it is a side hustle. And I think that a lot of labor is going to be more, everybody having side hustles that create one big hustle that, you know, that you're, yeah. they're moving in between. I like even thinking about my partner and his work and like the catering, like he, he actually does two different jobs himself. Um, but in one of those jobs, it's like, it's catering related and all the people that come in <clears throat> to work with their organization, <clears throat> excuse me, is <clears throat> Jesus, um, are all, they not, no one can do full-time work. They all got other things going on. And so I feel like, and that could be something that's going on too with this upcoming Venus retrograde on Pluto, all the Uranus and Taurus action that creates, uh, you know, instability that's not a word, destabilization, um, mm-hmm. that there, you know, uh, could be a lot of side hustle action going on. And I think I remember even uh, Molly McCord, are you familiar with her? <clears throat> she's a, she's a popular, like, she's like astrologer, channeler, YouTuber, okay. Um, but I remember she was saying before, this was like, I think this was like during the summer when she started talking about like the energies at the end of the year. Um, and she never, I don't think she really likes to speak in like 
astrologies, like she'll just tell you like the time of the year or whatever. And she was talking about the end of December. And, and of course, in my mind, I'm like, oh, you're talking about Venus retrograde, but (laughs) she was just saying, get your side hustles on, like prepare all these alternative motives of uh, not motives, but you know, just uh, ways to express your work, uh, have abundance and flow come in. Cause it's not just about making money. It's also, you know, I, most people in the world, they, to feel this could be my Capricorn moon talking, but <clears throat> to feel, uh, you know, purposeful, you, you want to be doing work that speaks to you. And that could be several things. I am totally tangenting right now, but <laughs> this is where I'm going okay. with it. We're about, uh, we're about to get into Sagittarius season and what could be more relevant than tangents to Sagittarius. Yeah, right? <laughs> absolutely. As, as Jack and I both have uh, prominent Gemini energy. Um, <laughs> yes. I'm just, my middle name is tangent and my second middle name is, what was my second middle name? I forgot about it. Uh, <laughs> my second middle name is, I forgot. I forgot. <laughs> Um, oh, I used to be called the Punisher by some friends sure. because I used to speak in puns all the time oh, and, right. and not even trying. I would just, they would just come out and I'd be like, oh, there's another one. There's another one. <laughs> so tangent and punishing. Um, okay. That being said, let's get into Sagittarius season. We kind of teased a little bit with some of the things that we were talking about coming in at the end. I think we teased with Capricorn season actually. Um, but let's get into that Sag. So Sagittarius ingress, the sun is going to move in on Sunday, uh, November 21st. And so let me get the chart up for mm-hmm. Jack and I here so that we can just look at things as we go. Um, but there you see that, Jack. I are, are we in? Yes, All right, we're in. We're in. Uh, so November twenty first uh, at six thirty three p.m. Pacific time on that Sunday, we enter Sagittarius season, and it's it's an interesting start, which we'll get into. But before we uh, kind of get into the actual aspects that go underway, let's talk a little bit about uh, just Sag energy and immutable fire, and the fact that yeah. Jupiter is coming into focus. You know. What um what comes to mind for you uh, for that? And even within context of like the world as it is now. <laughs> yeah. So there are a few things um, that I would love to mention about Sag just from the get-go. So Sagittarius is perhaps the most optimistic sign of the Zodiac. Maybe, maybe Pisces. The two Jupiterian signs definitely possibly the most idealistic or uh, mm, the most uh, optimistic, joyful signs of the Zodiac. Maybe you get more into an idealism with, uh, with like some Libran energy a little bit or an Aquarian sometimes with the forward thinking, but um, optimism uh, definitely like that's a, to me, that's a very Sag thing. It's very much like the, I mean, it's where we get the word jovial from the planet, mm-hmm. like Jove, Jupiter, and um, here, just some factors on this ingress, because, you know, we can definitely look at an ingress chart in order to gather the um, a summary of some of the aspects of what's going to be happening during that solar season. I see some really interesting and I would say like wonderful things here. First, I see that the moon is basically separating from a trine to Jupiter at 29 degrees of Gemini, and it's 
let, you know, it's 30 second, 30 minutes of arc away from entering into cancer. And that, um, and that anorectic degree, that late in the sign, that 29th degree, the last degree about to transition into cancer, whenever it's in the anorectic degree and it's about to go somewhere else, a really wonderful predictive technique to use is to look at to where it's about to go to and to look at the dignity transition that's about to happen. And so when the moon transitions from Gemini into cancer, the dignity shift that occurs is one of great increase because mm. the moon goes into rulership in cancer. And so because the anoretic degree always indicates somewhere where we're already moving into somewhere else and that place the moon is already going to, that is, it is moving into is a place where it is improved in condition. That does indicate to me that this season could have, asked, even though there's a, some challenging stuff that we're going to be moving through this season, that does to me, indicate a level of some optimism or possibilities for improvement because the moon does come to signify the populace or us as the native in addition to the significations of like the ascendant ruler uh, and things of that nature. So I like that the moon is in the anorectic degree and about to transition to cancer, that it's separating from a trine with Jupiter and we're entering into the Jupiterian season. That really is one aspect that makes me think that there are some um, hidden areas where there could be opportunities for um, improvement and perhaps surprise improvement in condition during this season. Mm, I do. I do like that. And it's interesting to think about the ruler of that anoretic moon, Mercury and mm -hmm. Scorpio having just separated from a square to Jupiter too. So it's yeah. like, they're both talking to Jupiter there. Um, and to go back to what we were just saying earlier, when we started out the program about uh, this shift of mutable to cardinal signs and thinking about Sagittarius to Capricorn and how so much change um, and, and big astrology is coming during this upcoming solstice season. Um, and the fact that when I think of an anoretic moon uh, or anoretic planet, just in general, um, that it is uh, something is wrapping up. Like there's a big wrap up you know, to me yeah. that, uh, is about to be underway. And that speaks to what we were talking about before, you know, some of the, something big is wrapping up. So something, you know, very significant can also then begin next time around. Um, so, so that's interesting. That's interesting too, I would say. Yeah. And also that the feeling of the signs as well, like moving from Gemini into cancer, this is the season where we move into that uh, inward motion of drawing into the home for the holidays, mm. if you will. Yeah. So moving from like the bustling nature of a Gemini and, um, and, you know, as we move into, we obviously uh, around the world have the black Friday phenomenon and cyber Monday, where we have, you know, the most sales globally um, during Sagittarius season. So there's all of this commerce happening, but perhaps a hint that a place that you might find that all of us might find, some um level of uh of an improved situation if we're feeling too much of the hustle and bustle or if that's giving us anxiety that a quick way to improve our condition would be to tune into the focus on our home life mm. yeah and um and it's, it's interesting to think about I, i'm noticing a lot of companies that are doing the the slow rollout of black friday these these yeah. days like uh i think of like dc decium decium like the 
brand for ordinary. It's like a, mm-hmm. um, a skincare line. And they're yes. like, they're like, no room, no need to rush. You know, we're doing our percentage off for the, all of November, you know, like that. Why should we all have to like rush on one day to get things done? And I'm just noticing other places following suit with that. Um, of course, now with Venus going retrograde on Pluto and slowing down in that zone, I really think of like the upcoming, um, supply issues and like actually getting things to people, you know, with, with the rush of the holidays. And maybe it's less about focusing on what you can buy other people and more about the quality of time. You know, it's another Saturnian type of buzzword to put in there. The quality of time to spend with people rather than trying to just get, get things. And then other tight aspects that are that are here in this chart. Okay, so the Uranus Mars opposition is still is separating now by, uh, you know, it's separating by three degrees, and they're mutual, and they are mutually separating. Uranus is still retrograde, and Mars yeah. is direct, so they are both moving away from one each other, which is good. Um, and they're three degrees apart at least now, but it's still pretty tight. It's still pretty tight. <laughs> tight and enough. <laughs> tight enough, tight enough. 15 Scorpio and 12 um, Taurus. It's like residuals. Um, it's like re- residuals of the, uh, <laughs> the we're energy. Still, yeah, we're still feeling the aftermath is the yeah. word I would use for that Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then the, uh, the, the next tightest configurations definitely would be that square between Mercury and Jupiter that mm-hmm. we were just talking about. And then the... Um, the sextile action we have the sextile from mercury to pluto that has just started to separate mm. um from uh 25 scorpio mercury to that 24 and 49 minutes of capricorn where pluto's been sitting at so that opportunity um to relieve some of that intensity yeah uh sextiles are being of the nature of venus they they are a doorway that um you know you definitely uh, uh have to choose to take a little more than a trine. Sextiles are sometimes um, uh, glossed over. They, they can be a missed aspect, sextiles, unless you really seek to activate them, perhaps, um, more so than squares or trines. Like a square, you're going to feel an opposition, absolutely. A trine, it's going to happen even if you don't notice it. But a sextile, there's an element of where you almost need to choose it. So um, I, I do see you know, there's, there's an ability to choose to let off some of the the deep pressures of this plutonic energy we've been experiencing in the Capricorn region, the residuals of that boneyard at the beginning of the, the COVID period. <laughs> um, but there is that really beautiful sextile that's almost partile, you know, it's like just a degree separation. Just, between just the enough. And it se- well, and that seems like the case with everything is like, we have all the, like we talk about the aftermath. We have all this aftermath and all this residual because we have Venus who just separated from a trine with the Uranus. Um, and it's all in that anoretic degree, you know, there seems to be all of this after effect and, yeah, and yeah, how yeah. do we work with the after effect and wrap things up? And especially with the thing that is probably most important here, and that's the sun being on the South node of Sagittarius. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. if they, you know, I always talk about that being celestial Drano of like, all right, well, what do we need to, 
What do we need to flush down? What do we need to repurpose? Um, what did we learn from this? You know, because to me, mm-hmm. I'm like, how do we take everything, all these experiences? And it could, and I'm not even talking about just in this particular moment. It could be since the whole, you know, the whole COVID timeline. It could be all of the Gemini Sagittarius, um, uh, you know, eclipse seasons. But this, you know, we're about to wrap this up. We're about to go through the last uh, eclipse with this, um, access as we talked about, but there's something to be said about the sun passing over the South node, which is yeah. in within the first couple of days of it being in Sagittarius season. Um, and this collective wisdom and the experiences we've been through and, and even like stopping to like, you know, check in with, you know, check in with yourself. Where, where have you been? What have you learned? What mm-hmm. has inside, outside, you know, it's, what do you think, Jack? What do you think about the South Node influence? Yeah, definitely. So the the South Node has the South Node and the North Node both act as sort of karmic portals a little bit. They also have um, a, a directional energy. I, uh, I I do think that it absolutely co- contributes to what you're just talking about. This after effect. I'm going to use the word afterglow. I like that. And, That's very yeah. Jupiter. You just put some Jupiter juice on that one. <laughs> some Jupe juice, the Jupe juice. And, uh, <laughs> uh, and uh, I, I do think of it as a bit of an afterglow, like right when you turn the light bulb off and it's still, it's like, ah. and there's that, and there's that little, like little, like ember of the, of the, of the filament still just like dimming down. Um, that can be a really, the South node doesn't have to be something that's incredibly painful. Yeah, it definitely, I would say more often than not can involve pain because usually there's a requirement that there be an element of spiritual maturity when dealing with the South node for it to mm. not involve pain. True. <laughs> and the majority of us are not, you know, um, ascended masters. So. <laughs> so there's there are places in all of our lives where we're not totally, you know, a a fully spiritually wise at all times. And that's just part of the condition of being human, but where, where we are able to hold spiritual perspective, the South node can actually even be a pleasant or a heartwarming experience. And I think that that is something that Sagittarius um, as a sign can play into well. And so um, I would remember that where uh, that the places where we find ourselves to be more evolved will find ourselves to be more in a in a place of satisfaction with the things that are completing, mm. and that the places where we do notice that angst or that pain bubbling up because we're holding on to things or because it, we're seeing it not as an afterglow but because we're we're viewing that same effect as a deprivation or a withholding of something or a or a, you know, why did you take it from me? Seeing as, because it, it is related to the South Node and all of these other after effects apart from the Uranus Mars are, are pretty nice looking in the chart. Maybe really doing some internal work to see, is that really the pain that I'm experiencing or, or is it, is it a, a pain point that's really meant for me to grow? A quote from Rumi comes to mind. Um, if you are irritated by every rub, then how will your mirror become polished? Hmm. Oh, I love that. Yeah. That's, uh, well, 
And to kind of, kind of put it in perspective, because I love where you're going with that, Jack, is that, um, you know, when Sag season gets underway, the first uh, on the 21st, and then we have a last quarter moon in Virgo on the 27th. And we always know last quarters kind of bring us to that next, you know, turning point. They, you know, of course, the classic, you know, crisis of consciousness. And so there is something to be said about this period because basically the sun moves in, conjuncts the south node, then Mercury ingresses into Sagittarius, and then also conjuncts the south node, all from November 23rd to the 25th, in, in, uh, which is like a Tuesday through Thursday. And then, and this whole time, basically Saturn in Aquarius is making a sextile with Chiron in Aries. And, once, and you so beautifully explained the sextile earlier, about having uh, this opportunity to work with something where you're invited to work with some energy that, you know, when we think of a Chiron, we think about can painful experiences that turn into wisdom and how we can, uh, you know, choose to take those rubs or take those triggers um, and solidify them in a way that brings us to some sort of mastery and to have the polished mirror because, you know, the sun is our illuminating force is illuminating factor that will make something very bright and apparent to us. Mercury helps us understand it. Uh, and it's fascinating to think about the ingress into Sagittarius with Mercury, because obviously we think of it as a detriment there, uh, because it's in Jupiter's sign, we get a bigger picture rather than the finite view, but there's something to be said about being able to go into a detriment position where you're able to rework something that might be out of place. So to me, there's just this big shot of energy that might rub you in a certain way, or, you know, you can get that wisdom from, but it is so, so illuminating as to what it has drained you in your, your journey and your process and how to move forward. And, owning up to that, to be able to be like, you know what? Okay. I'm going to decide for my evolution and my growth to, you know, do something that is, I don't know what it, where it's all going to lead us somewhere different because we're all different people, but you know where I'm going with that. (laughs) I do know where you're going with that. I absolutely do. And what's also, I think, uh, interesting to note about Mercury's transition into Sagittarius is that when it first enters into Sagittarius, Mercury is actually not at its highest level of detriment because Mercury has face dignity so the, the there, yeah. of Sagittarius. It um, It's where uh, it has the face de- uh, dignity aligned with the... Um, the uh oh what is it the lord of swiftness the eight, the eight um, of wands which wands. i got today mm-hmm. actually in my tarot spread i got the eight of wands no way <laughs> yes that's too funny and so- the sun i got the eight of wands and the, <laughs> and the sun isn't that funny i love that so yeah so even though yes the south node's going to make that energy you know difficult but it's not going to be perhaps as challenging as it could be if Mercury were in its purest detriment with no yeah. gift. And of course, fa- uh, face dignity is, is the most minor dignity, right? Um, I, I, one of the, I, I cannot remember which, which ancient author is saying this it might be Lily. Um, but uh, they, they said something like face dignity is the equivalent uh, is is uh is not someone that is like completely bereft of of like uh, like of all goods 
Um, but it's like someone that has base, like luck, someone that's like basically lucky to have a roof over their head, right? <laughs> they have, they have, they, or they not don't like have shelter and they have like maybe a specific talent that helps them. Exactly. Cause it, you know, you don't get that natural support from outside of you, but you have enough of the talent and, you know, you can wear the face of the talent to make your way through from your own gifts to some extent, rather right. than being helped outside by other influence. So sure. Yeah. No, I, I, I love that. And it makes a lot of sense because it goes along with everything that we're saying of like how you can really work the South node energy in, in a positive way. Um, and, and Mercury is going to be quick enough and, and adept enough to be able to, to have those realizations and those, you mm. know, perception shifts, because I think that's another part of um, detriment planets is the ability uh, when we're aware of it, if you're able to be, you know, have the adaptability, which mutable signs bring, you know, what they say is like um, a sign of intelligence is your ability to yeah. adapt, uh, that there can be these perception shifts that come in once you kind of see things uh, for, for what they are, like fall into that South node a little bit, you know, like get to, get in the pit for a second, <laughs> um, but get what you can out of that experience because it can really change a uh, course in a positive way, um, I think moving forward. The last thing I want to point out about this chart, because it will be thematic throughout Sagittarius season and mm-hmm. moving into the Venus retrograde in Capricorn season, is this non-perfecting sextile between Mars and, and Venus. Venus. I know. <laughs> which actually, which is totally funny. The last time we spoke, Yes, um, it was the same thing. It was the same thing. It, it was it, right. It was exactly <laughs> the same thing. It was this uh, this dance with um, the uh, uh, what is it? The thirty year conjunctions of Mars and Venus over the course of two years. Mm-hmm. Since we're about to come to the second conjunction in the series, I think. Yeah, and, and, and then there'll be dancing. one more. Yeah, there'll be one more. There are always three, I think. And so, um, what this well, what this means because this sextile won't perfect. What it means is that th- there's likely to be a dynamic in go- like happening for many a person that feels like a, a, a Venus Mars positive thing happening. Um, and unfortunately, this this thing that feels positive is unlikely to come of anything until perhaps the conjunction that will be coming up in a bit. And um, and that conjunction may or may not look positive. Um, but whatever, uh, whatever the case, the sextile never perfects. So whatever positive opportunity appears to be developing from the sextile, that will ultimately not happen the way it appears that it might at this time. And uh, it is so wonderful and beautiful how the universe places the right things in front of you in order to give you the right tools to talk about something at the right time. So um, on Halloween, I was blessed enough to see <clears throat> the national tour of the musical Hades Town at the Kennedy Center in Washington, D.C. And for those that don't know, Hades Town is a modern retelling of uh, two myths in a sort of uh, uh, ragtime depression era setting. And mm-hmm. it is uh, stunning. It is the myth of uh, Hades and Persephone and Orpheus and Eurydice. And so what this dance of Mars and Venus speaks to me of is 
the tale, and with it never perfecting, is the tale of Orpheus and Eurydice. And basically, it's this beautiful epic love story. And right from the beginning, they tell you um, it's an old song, it's a sad song, it's a love song, but we're going to sing it anyway. And it's the whole thing about like this Romeo and Juliet quality where the story is so beautiful and so profound that even though it ends in tragedy, you are forever changed from having heard the story because it's so incredibly potent and the love is so real. Um, and so it doesn't matter that it ends in tragedy. It, it is better to have loved and lost than to never have loved, I've loved at it all. all. I know, right. I was just thinking that. And so the whatever is happening from this sextile, if there is something beautiful that's happening right now and there isn't anything that comes of it, the takeaway, because in the end, Orpheus and Eurydice do lose each other, but their love in, in the context of, uh, of uh, the myth and in the context of Town, it does save the world. It, as part of his journey, um, uh, Orpheus sings the world back into tune. He, uh, he sings for, hey, uh, for Hades and uh, uh, he sings the world back into tune because uh, Hades and Persephone, basically they've been having relationship problems. And so Orpheus being the son of a muse, he, he sings the world back into tune. And so they're given an opportunity to leave hell together and unfortunately, being a mere mortal, Orpheus falls to his doubt and he loses Eurydice. But the love was still there. So just know that if there is anything beautiful happening, do not let like the fear of loss deter, deter you from still experiencing the exquisite beauty of love. Because ultimately, all stories of love are stories of loss. Even for those that um, that I will outlive, they will ultimately lose me. You know, we still have to live life of like with love because life is worth living because of love and friendship oh, yeah. is love. Mm. So just because everyone will lose each other in the end, it doesn't mean we don't love one another in the process. And so this speaks to me of the process. And so still love, even if, even if for the moment, this particular instance doesn't work out. There'll still be the conjunction and there'll be future sextiles and future trines and future beautiful aspects. Um, but uh, there is something happening, I think, for many a person that's not going to work out, but still enjoy the beauty of it while it's here and enjoy the process. Yeah, I think the process is a big thing of it. It's beautiful, Jack. It's like, a, <laughs> it is very apropos. Um and in something, like you said, some things don't, don't work out. Some things are, are related with loss. You know, we are in, ex, in Sagittarius season. So it is all about the experience, right? <laughs> at the, at the end of the day. Um, but there's also to be something to be said about just delay in general and realizing that, you know, like part of the, um, not getting so ahead of yourself, uh, which Sagittarius mm. could also do, um, with trying to see something, uh, realized or get to a certain part with whatever this good thing is and realizing there's a lot of things that still need to be worked out and need to take time to get to those conjunctions in February and early March of, uh, 2022. And so even if, and so not to accept the, um, the frustration that could come from something almost meeting, but not. Cause to me, it's like, it, it might not be a complete and utter loss. It could be just this new beginning that needs to happen, but there's still all these things that have to like wrap up that needs to be dealt with. And you're just not on course yet. And people get yeah. frustrated when they're not on course, especially since we have like a Mars and dignity here, you know, that's like, why isn't it sorted out already? Um, <laughs> you know, and, uh, 
so to me, there's an, an element of patience with the good things where they say good things take time. Um, and if you don't put the time and energy and, you know, you self-destruct things that just because they're not working on your course, um, that's something to be, uh, you know, cause I think of it's about Sag too. And the idea, especially the South node energy finishing up there, um, and a, an eclipse happening there is that self emollient. How am I not saying it right? Emol <laughs> self emoliating, emoliating. You know, okay. like when the, the the monk sets himself on fire, basically, yeah, yeah, yeah. and the, um, and just to just to have a, a, an element of patience when we want to rush forward, and when we're when we're at a season and a time where we think we are to rush forward and we are to. Uh, you know, move ahead and what's the next big journey and what's this thing I see in the future. And just realizing that a lot of the astrology of December and January have, um, there's, there's still like a lot to, a lot to work through. (laughs) That's going to take patience and perseverance. Definitely. Well, I think that we have absolutely have we covered that? We Co- covered, covered yeah. the ingress chart. Let's move through our well, and well, we I set up the ground. We sure. set up the ground, and I think we set up the the first couple days um, with the fact that the sun conjuncts the south node, uh, Mercury ingresses into Sagittarius and conjuncts the south node, all from the twenty third to the twenty fifth. We and then we have that uh, Saturn and Aquarius making that sextile to Chiron um, retrograde and. Aries, which is interesting yes. because uh, Chiron is going to station during Sagittarius season. Um, and it's always an interesting figure. It's always uh, Chiron to come up. And I, I've seen a lot of people deal with the, uh, especially back in Libra season, the, you know, like stepping up into that Aries platform of what do I want? What do I need? What have I learned for myself within? Um, and we see that in the society. There's a lot of like, what do I need as a person and my independent freedoms and things along those lines. And this Saturnian figure in uh, society in Aquarius that has these new you know, rules and relationships. And this has been a sextile that's been going on um, all year. And so I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on, on that, Jack? Yeah, actually, the um, the reason why that Rumi quote I came, I came out with earlier was so fresh in my mind was because it had came to me while I was sort of meditating upon the um, the uh, the Chiron um, Saturn sextile actually um, because Chiron Chiron is an energy that I know you've worked with for a while and I um, have really enjoyed listening to your interpretations but it's one that I've only really been opening up to in the last year or so thanks to some work specifically with Chiron, um, but also some, some really interesting work with asteroids that, um, uh, that I've been looking into recently. And Chironic energy is really, um, I think that, uh, oh, uh, uh, Jessica Lignato um, describes it really well, I think, is describing it as sort of like this spiky ball. Like when you play with it, uh, you know, it, it's, it's kind of bouncy, but it, it, you, it's also prickly. Um, and, uh, even when it's a sextile or a trine, there are going to be aspects that are, that are spiky. Like it's, it's called the wounded healer for a reason because it is very much. So the bone gets stronger, but it's because you broke the bone and now it's stronger. Yeah. Um, and, um, that's why I had, uh, the, the Rumi quote had sprung to mind, uh, a few days ago when I was meditating on that, because it, it reminded me of the, the sense of the opportunity to become stronger, 
um, comes from addressing the wounds. The opportunity to polish your mirror comes from allowing yourself to be rubbed. Right. Mm. Um, and, uh, that, uh, that both the station and the sextile with Saturn is a really stabilizing force, especially because it's an outer planet transit like that. And so this is really an opportunity, um, between, uh, you know, that Saturn and then, uh, then Chiron to really ground down into a stabilized form, um, a form of healing. If you so choose it, um, perhaps, uh, also related to ancestral healing, it being Saturn, especially Saturn, um, mm. in Aquarius, the healing of ancestral wounds or the addressing of ancestral issues for the forward motion of your familial lineage. Um, that could definitely be some, uh, some deep work to take on at this time. Um, uh, that could be really, uh, effective. Um, I see deep potentials for, um, for healing in, in that regard. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm thinking about myself, obviously, because I'm like, oh, Saturn's in my fourth house, ancestry, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, thinking about all that. Um, but uh, as I was saying a little uh, earlier, that this is not this is not the first pass of the sextile. So we can look at some of the things that have yes. come up um, for quite some time now, especially if you've been going through Chiron transits yourself or, uh, or Saturn transits, you know, for all of us that seem to have stuff that's caught at, you know, especially eight degrees of cardinal signs, um, or I mean, eight degrees of almost any sign, because depending on what sign <laughs> it's in, mm-hmm. it's probably receiving something from Chiron or, um, or Saturn. It just, you know, unless Pisces, it's like Pisces might be the only one that's not getting something (laughs) from Mm -hmm. that. Uh, but yeah, so just allowing that to come up. And I love, I mean, Chiron transits are rough, especially the first time around, but I mean, I'm currently, uh, going through, uh, I had Chiron, um, in my, in my natal chart, uh, basically the Saturn Uranus square has been dancing over my natal Chiron and, mm. and, and Uranus on my Chiron, that first pass, I was just like, that was a rough moment. That was in eclipse season earlier this year. It was like, everything was coming at me at the same time. I also have Jupiter and Mercury who are conjunct in my chart and Leo exactly square Chiron too. And so it was just a big old Chironic party going on in my life. But <laughs> what I learned from that is, yeah, that was an ouchy time. Uh, but that first pass took me somewhere, you know, in, in Plutonian depth styles, I guess we could say. Mm-hmm to teach me something. Um, and to, you know, and I loved it too, because by transit with Chiron and Aries, it was also trining my Mercury and Jupiter at the same time too. So it was a unique position where something was hitting the natal Chiron, but traveling, you know, transit Chiron was, was flowing to be like, you need to understand this. And of course, everybody's chart is different, but what I'm trying to say here is that, yeah, those first paths are rough, but we're onto this third collective pass of this. Yeah. And so there is something really to be gained. And like you said, to root, be rooted down. Uh, and, and like, you know, when we think of Saturn in a fixed air sign, like this can be rooted down this, this perception of whatever this chironic wound might be, or what we've been through, uh, in the, in the individual, you know, path or some sort of courageousness or confidence in life that, you know, and the lessons learned around those kind of Aries principles that can now be solidified in, in the mind 
for seasons to come, you know, like, so I definitely don't think it's something to be wary of. Uh, and to go back to what you said originally about sextiles being these opportunities, if you choose to work with them, I think that there's something really beautiful brewing around the 26th at the end of the week. That's a Friday, but of course, you know, these are slow movers. We're already feeling this now and we will, uh, as it passes too. Yeah. And then whichever, I guess, uh, four days later as well, or maybe it's just three days later when, the sun comes in and just reactivates that by sextiling um, Saturn and trining Chiron at the same time. Yes. The, the great illuminator coming in with a double easy yes. aspect and flowing in with that, that visible fire and lighting it up. So really almost creating like a portal between mm-hmm. um, the exact aspect starting on the 26th and then four days later with the sun coming in and just like, like firing it up. Um, creating a little a little bit of an energetic opportunity those four days to to get into that work and, and use those aspects to their fullest. Jack, hundred percent, because it's basically and as that perfects. I well, and that's the thing is like here. There, <laughs> I know, I know. You can't make this stuff up. It's like basically from the twenty sixth, you know, give or take. I love the idea. I know, of course, we're already in a portal with the eclipse, but we have we have a chironic portal uh, in mm-hmm. Sun and Mercury taking place um, in Saturn because yeah, we have that. Uh, Sun, Mercury, Superior Kazemi at seven degrees of Sagittarius on the 28th on Sunday of November. Um, And what it does is that it basically is in a, basically the Sun and Mercury meet, um, you know, the messenger speaks to the heart. It's in the heart of the the king in the chamber and then goes on to have these, uh, you you know, these productive uh, flowing energies with Saturn and Chiron both uh, through the the first of, um, no, through the November 30th. So basically the beginning of that week from the 28th to the 30th, or really Friday through uh, Tuesday, we have this lovely like, like you said, a portal, we get carried away and we understand. I feel like there's understanding, there's inspiration, there's perception. There's a lot to work with here. Definitely. Um, oh my gosh. Yeah, definitely. It really feels like a beautiful opportunity. And it's also like, uh, because it's hitting that Saturn at that seven degree point where we were having the first of the Uranus, um, uh, Saturn, uh, squares at the Mm. beginning of the year, we're actually having sort of like a positive lighting up of that historical square. So there's like, there's like a bit of like a, like, I feel like like a pedal on, on the gas, but, but in like a positive way. Um, like, I feel like there's, there's a bit of an opportunity here to address, um, some of that energy from the square, uh, being activated from the angle of a sextile with the sun, Kazemi, Mercury. So um, uh, while we had an activation of this just recently in Scorpio season, um, uh, and that was definitely, I think for many people, much more challenging, you know, with uh, with the like Mercury-Mars conjunction much more uh, tight at that time. And I don't know about anybody else, but there were... I, Rage was abounding in for most Rage people. was abounding. <laughs> uh, you know, as with Mercury still, uh, you know, sorry, with uh, Mars on its way to Uranus right now and yeah. just having a, I, it, rage has been a theme in this household. And not necessarily, I mean, sometimes at each other, but a lot of times you just at, at everything. It was a yeah. rage is a four, it's like that brush fire moving through. 
just getting you. Yeah, I gotta tell you, like my my mom, my boss, my um uh my classmates. I mean, there have been people that have nothing to do with astrology that come to me like, why am I so angry? Or yes. why is my partner so angry? These are not usually I'm like. Yo, it uh, Mars conjunct Mercury square inside. <laughs> it's just like it, it just is. It, like I did a meditation in the bath, you know, because <laughs> as we would with Scorpio energy last night, and the, you know what uh, what I was being told was, you know, well the cliche, this shall, shall pass, um, but this shall pass with valuable lessons that are learned through it, um, which is very Saturnian, of course, um, but. Yeah, everybody, the anger, deep anger, you know, like I'm, yes. I was getting just frustration and anger out of all these different places and trying not to do the old projection, all the, you know, yeah. the mirror projection, especially in Scorpio, which is a sign that is associated with the intimacy of relating with others. Yeah, <laughs> you know? and reflection itself with the water, yes, the mirror. Absolutely. Um, but here, I think that we are seeing the opportunity through the sextile to align with this reactivation of that Uranus-Saturn square energy from the angle of a sextile, which of course is of the nature of Venus. And remember, Venus brings forth the principle of, uh, is moist and therefore brings forth the principle of wetness, which merges things, right? When we experience Venus, um, uh, we experience merging, like we experience being able to understand people emotionally and empathetically. We experience romantically, we experience the, um, the phenomenon of feeling as though we merge with our partner, like, like merging with the other person. So to me, there is that ability of a sextile to, um, to bring people together or to bring things together across borders. And that, um, that the uh, the opportunity of this uh, Kazemi sextiling that energy is an opportunity uh, to, to to cross some of the barriers that um, that these uh, this shakeup has been bringing forth all year long, and some of the more recent rage based uh, fractious <laughs> energies that have been happening. The the extra the extra rage based, but you know, but within that rage. Yeah. With good old Mars, you know, there's been a lot of motivation that's huge happened motivation. and huge motivation, motivation to rage, to motivation, to rage, to frustration, <laughs> to motivation, because I'm not going to let this frustration get me down. I'm going to stop for a second regroup. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's, it's a, it's a crazy roller coaster, but, um, I do love where this is all leading. And it's so interesting that it centers kind of around last quarter in Virgo on the 27th mm -hmm. on Saturday, because last quarter happens at five degrees. So it's going to be in a square to uh, Mercury, who is approaching the sun. Um, and of course, it will be at the bending of the nodes uh, at the, the northern um bending too. So there's something, to, there's something very activating quality wise, uh, Saturday or earlier on Saturday. So just pay attention on the 27th of what might be brewing. <laughs> yeah. And we are talking about the last quarter moon at five degrees of Virgo happening yeah. on yeah, the, tw uh, the 27th Saturday, um, that specific standard time we're looking at San Diego. Yes. Yeah. So it'll be, uh, I'll be sleeping. I'll probably be having some crazy dreams. Um, but uh, but for you guys on the, the East Coast or out there in Europe or next day in Australia, you know, evening in Australia, you'll be like, oh, okay. Um, yeah, so there'll be, so it's interesting. It's interesting to say, think about just the last quarter. It's really playing into um, the themes that we talked about earlier on in the program about the 
this mutable energy that is it's characteristic of transition and what, what needs to change? What's moving? What has to be perfected? What has to be let go of? What do we keep to move on out? And this is yeah. a last quarter in mutable signs and a very practical one at that with Virgo. That's like, Oh, you know, uh, I see this, the bigger picture of what's forming within the Sagittarius energy, but how does that relate to me on the real world level? Like, how am I embodying that? Do things need to go around me? Does my job need to change? You know, like, there's all these yeah. very uh, real characteristics um, that are centered around it um, that I think, even though they might be a little crunchy, uh, they're going to be awareness inducing being a Mercury moon to begin with um, that is about to go into the heart, you know, but could be, it, and it's interesting because it's combust territory at that point, but, you know, wait it out, give it a second, get to Sunday uh, and you might have that, that breakthrough um, of, you know, that Saturday might not have brought, but was leading you to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I'll, oh, go yeah, ahead. Yeah. Well, just the phenomenon of that Mercury is, is combust actually might assist with being able to keep things under wraps a little bit, just because <laughs> it Mercury is so invisible at that point. Um, uh, that no, that's honestly, true. that energy might assist with the um us being able to keep anything that we're processing internal like i think that outbursts which mercury and sagittarius one of the flaws of it can be outbursts but because it is also combust in this position um and therefore not visible um it that that could be actually a a, a double debilitation that could actually work out to be helpful. You know, I think I totally agree with that, Jack, because really where this is all going and to play off what you're saying there is, is simultaneously why this is happening. We also have Mars and Scorpio trying uh, Neptune, who is about to station direct. And Venus is also sextiling Neptune, uh, stationing Neptune from uh, November 29th through December 1st. So we've got Neptune stationing. First off, so you know, there's like, there's always spiritual story twists. There's always that kind of coming to like, that, that's kind of maybe a little time out, you know, meditative experience, like, oh, I have to process this. You know, there might not be as much energy going on with Mars trining Neptune, or we might be in more of like a dream state. And then Venus is reinforcing that. And then they got their weird non, uh, non-committal sextile. <laughs> Not <laughs> going on. Um, and so what do you think about all that Neptune action and Mars and Venus kind of pairing with what's happening that we just all discussed? Yeah. Well, I I mean, I uh I I do love actually that Neptune is is stationing to move forward. Um, whenever you get the outer planets um stationing to start to move forward, you get these. The, things come to the light on uh, on a societal level of the nature of those outer planets. Like when Pluto stationed direct, you had the um, uh, what the release of like those uh, the the journal uh, the journalist reports of um, uh, all of those uh, celebrities and billionaires and the the offshore accounts and um, uh, the I'm forgetting the name of the report, but uh, the, there was a lot of uh, like. Uh, Previously hidden yes. stuff coming Previously, to light. Yeah, Pre, you know, all the plutonic shit. Like, yeah, you know. <laughs> all of the things that we would Surface, expect. Secret surfacing. Yeah. So with, with Neptune stationing to go direct, I do like that as an opportunity, especially during Sagittarius season, which um, 
does get into the Advent season for those that are Christian and also gets into, well, I mean, well, most of the world religions have one of their major festivals or celebrations in the lead up to the Capricorn, um, uh, the, the Capricorn ingress. Um, and that lead up would therefore be in Sagittarius. So the excitement leading up to the event is of the Sag energy. That's where the excitement comes in. Mm-hmm. The feeling of the little kid at Christmas is actually not on Christmas Day itself. It's on all of the days going up to Christmas Day, right? That excitement of the anticipation. And so um, I uh, I do think that there's a sort of, uh, uh, that there's a spiritual nature inherent to Sagittarius that the coupling that with the forward direction of uh, Neptune starting to move forward, we might be able to see um, uh, some positive forward motion with our spiritual stories. I do also think that, that, that there might be some things that come forward related to Neptune related stories that are not so positive, like things that, you know, we've been uh, um, sort of like, like things that we've been led to believe that were not, that were not necessarily true glamorous thing, like glamours, like fairies, glamour, um, things that have been painted one way that are really another, um, but being supported by a trine from, uh, from Mars being supported by that uh, sextile from Venus Again, very supportive energies from one superior planet and one personal planet. There, um, you know, there seem to be things in this energy that, on a personal level, um, could make this an experience that, that on a personal level, feels like a nice thing for us. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with that too. Because there's something to be said about the week of the of the 29th, basically, because we are leading into the dark days of the moon for the solar eclipse uh, on Friday, December 3rd. And so it's so interesting to have um, Neptune stationing uh, on the first of December with these with these trines and you know trine and a sextile happening while we just went through the Mercury Sun Kazemi uh, with also trines and sextiles so we're seeing a lot of flow just in in the universe um, and that flow might be incredibly internal incredibly personal to your spiritual story, to where you're going. Um, it's, I don't think it would be a time to necessarily push for a lot. It's a lot to like pull in and almost regroup, um, to maybe unveil things within yourself that need to come out and need those moments of uh, spiritual reflection, um, and a slowing down process to just really connect with yourself, connect with your, your world, connect with the close people that are around you and, um, just kind of get, on track for, you know, like what's coming with the eclipse. Yeah. And all of this energy does feel as a last thought feels very quiet. You it know, does. This is the, the, um, the, the water signs are the mute signs, right? So we have Mars and Neptune are in our water signs of Scorpio and Pisces. Um, the earth signs are certainly not loud and we have, uh, uh Venus <laughs> in Capricorn, um, and uh, Mercury, our messenger, is combust. And even Kazemi, Kazemi's whispering in the ear of the king. Mm-hmm. He's not yelling. And um, the sun is separating, still in the same decan of the south node. So even our normally loud Sagittarian sun is near a quieting influence. And one of the only quieting influences that is powerful enough to quiet the sun, I think, the south node. Mm. Um, so I think this is a remarkably quiet 
chart at the end of the month, like a very quiet energy. And it and it could feel very surreal as Neptune uh, typically does, because what are we coming out of? We're coming out of what we were just talking about with the Mercury, Mars, uh, you know, and even the sun action to the Saturn Uranus square and and, and rage fest as we were just talking Scorpio about. Scorpio season, yeah. Right. So there is this interesting calm that comes in that might be very much welcomed, and, and you might even and it could be the period where you're like, what just happened, or where was that? What you know, like because a lot of people are going through a lot of things right now, because obviously it's a, I keep having the analogy of the rusty turning wheel that every time, you know, <laughs> we get to the Saturn Uranus square, it's just like, and it like gears us into the next thing that we have to deal with, or, you know, like big changes that are in motion. And so we need to really, um, embrace this period, I would say. Uh, and to think about Neptune too, because Neptune went, uh, retrograde in on June 25th earlier this year. Mm-hmm. And so that was after an eclipse season had passed as well. Um, and so there's a lot that's just happened, uh, for, uh, people and they're like, you know, their, their overall spiritual story and understanding like this, you know, with where they yeah. fit within this cosmos. And like, there's, so think about back in June, uh, late June, where you were at then, um, mm. and all the internal processing that might be Neptune related around dreams too. What did you dream of back then? And what do you dream of now? Because I think a lot of people have had dreams that have shifted in some way where it was, a, you know, you were on a course for something then, and all of a sudden, you know, that whole picture just completely changed. And what does it look like now? Um, and how do you, uh, recapitulate your, your understanding of your own journey to align with the dream and how it has transformed in, you know, said month's time. Absolutely. And the other thing that I noticed that's really interesting uh, from the June 25th station of Neptune retrograde to uh, the stationing direct is that Mercury in both cases is within um, uh, five to six degrees conjunct the nodal axis Mm. um, when when Neptune stationed retrograde and then on the 25th of June and then back to um, our Sagittarius state when Neptune is stationing direct um mercury is also i I guess a little further off but still within the same uh decan conjunct the nodal axis there so actually mercury is on the south node of the uh the the neptune station uh chart uh at 10 degrees um of where sagittarius was earlier uh in in the year interesting yeah and so there's like a bit of a mercury story there as well um so uh, there's always a Mercury story. Always a Mercury story. <laughs> Any story is Mercury by definition, and that's true. And doesn't Mercury love a story in Sagittarius? Oh yes. <laughs> um. <laughs> all right. Well, let us move along because uh, we got a solar eclipse to talk about. We do. We do on Friday, December third, after our quieting, our quieting period. Let's get this eclipse up here. Uh, December 3rd, uh, obviously, we're still in 2021, um, at 11.43 p.m. San Diego time. So that would be, uh, what is that, 2 in the morning, 2.43 Eastern of the next day. So depending on where you are, this is going to be December 3rd or December 4th. But either way, you know, Friday, Saturday, we be eclipsing. 
Um, and of course we have that eclipse is going to happen at 12 degrees and 22 minutes of Sagittarius. Uh, we'll definitely want to look at the ruler Jupiter who is still an Aquarius there. Uh, and we do have Mars that is on its way to a square with Jupiter. And then we also have the sun, moon, and Mercury, um, as we've been talking about all that. You know, we have a lot of emphasis on the sun and Mercury together in Sagittarius. Well, now the moon has joined the party in this eclipse. Um, and so, and of course, we got Venus who is conjunct, uh, just about to conjunct Pluto, too. She's getting slow. She's uh, about to conjunct Pluto. Um, and of course we always, at this point, we just have to preface that that Saturn Uranus square is looming in the background, (laughs) um, for its final pass in December, late December, but, uh, it's getting tight. It's getting tight, getting tight up in here. Uh, but Jack, what do you think about this eclipse in general? Maybe that Mars Jupiter action. What, what comes to mind? Well, um, the, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, the the mars jupiter action um does uh interest me a bit uh just because usually in a mars jupiter um pairing jupiter is gonna take mars almost any day of the week but in this particular alignment first of all mars is in the overcoming position and mars is in rulership yeah and meanwhile jupiter is um uh, while he's not debilitated as he was in Capricorn, he's still under the bounds of Saturn and co-present with Saturn, and so more shackled than usual. Um, Saturn is helped by being co-present with Jupiter, but Jupiter is certainly not helped by being co-present with Saturn. Um, and so I think that uh, that there is, uh, and of course there is an ability within a square, it's not as difficult as an, as an opposition. There is an opportunity to create waves you can surf on with a square, if you will. Um, so uh, there's a bit of a tension, um, maybe between uh, masculine forces within your life, uh, a bit of a tension between um, uh, mentor-mentee, between teacher-student, um, uh, tension uh, between um, uh, giver and receiver, um, happening here. I noticed that the eclipse is also happening in the terms or bounds of Venus and that Venus is uh, approaching that conjunction with uh, with Pluto um, and nearing her station. And that this is the final eclipse in the yeah. uh, Gemini Sagittarius series. So this is wrapping, this is wrapping stuff up. This is uh, <laughs> we're back to wrapping it up like a neat little present the bow, yeah, right, absolutely. <laughs> so uh, a little bit more of an after uh, and uh, this uh, if we're sticking with that afterglow metaphor, there's a uh, uh, sometimes when there's a power surge and, and the light goes out and it goes dim and it goes, but then it sparks and and the light like actually like flashes and goes out like so it dims and then suddenly it sparks and the and the bulb actually like breaks. <laughs> um, <laughs> That that might be this moment, uh, uh, because I mean, eclipses can definitely be explosive. You have um, uh, pressure certainly getting built up with this square, but um, between Jupiter and Mars, also with the square between Saturn and Uranus getting yeah. so tight again. Yeah. Um. There's uh. There's definitely like the champagne bottle is getting shaken, shaken, shaken to the point of bursting here, and the champagne bottle being the Sagittarius impulse for celebration and uh, <laughs> for shaking. <laughs> um, it's like uh, your host has gotten a little bit manic and has gone from being joyful to 
getting a little no, crazy. Yeah, a little um, crazy. <laughs> like, I, we don't know where this is headed. It's like, I, I would feel that uh, it's where this party is taking an interesting turn. Um, yeah. So it feels <laughs> inclined to excess. Yes. And that's what I thought of immediately. Cause I'm like, okay, we got the sun, moon, mercury, all in the sign of excess to some degree. We have a South node eclipse happening. So there's just, there's extra there too. And something needs to be wrapped up in the final completion of uh, the, almost the, the draining story. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have Venus and Pluto together and, and Venus, you know, how much is she, she, conceding how much is she saying maybe yes to uh that is be you know because she is some she is a character that is more open she's like receives what comes to her but how much can you receive and how much can you take on uh because when you just keep saying yes you know because we think about jupiter being the yes planet um although it's best served by saying no now right because saturn's like jupiter you need to say no he's like if you if you say yes one more time um and so there's something to be said about to me, like just excess in general and going overboard in the pressure, but also maybe the excess has already been happening and the Mars overcoming with, you know, the kind of getting real of Scorpio be like, oh, I, I really, in order to turn the page uh, with the square and to release some of this pressure, I need to make cuts. I need to say, no, I need to draw the line. I need to like Venus Pluto up in here. And, um, you know, cause I've taken on too much or I, my, I, it makes me think about when you're like, my eyes were bigger than my stomach. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, what? I, I, I ordered too much. Um, and, and the draining effect that comes with the South node eclipse, you know? So mm-hmm. there is something to be said about that, but also making cuts um, with, cause sometimes we just have too much going on in our lives. We have, we've just signed on for too much. And does that compromise that dream energy? Does it compromise the quest that we actually want to be on and all the changes that we've made ourselves, you know, um, and being able to make some, make some hard calls in the name of progress to some extent. Absolutely. And I think for some people as well as this is the final South node eclipse in this series, um, perhaps some of this excess is an excess of editing. Perhaps this is mm. too much of, um, uh, you, you know, throwing, uh, throwing away everything and the kitchen sink, throwing out the baby with the bathwater. So um, I think both uh, inclined to excess of gathering and for some inclined to excess of uh, too much Mary Con- Marie condoing. Yeah, I could totally get that, especially coming off of a last quarter in Virgo. You're like, yeah. wait, I'm left with nothing now. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what what did spark joy Sagittarius <laughs> where was this joy to be found I got rid of all the things that once sparked joy and now well where do I reintroduce joy into my yeah. life you know and that that's a thing too um it, you know Mars isn't always in the pursuit of something here so uh, what's in the pursuit of, of your joy, of your meaning, of your, how you want to see your life grow and getting real yeah. with your, with your desires and your, and your love and your creativity with that Venus and, and Pluto. Cause she's about to do a deep dive. She's getting, she's getting in there. Um, yeah. <laughs> and what a difference a week makes. I mean, I know. from the beginning of the week, we had this chart that really looked very quiet. And then suddenly this feels, this feels, um, this feels loud. Like it sounds like you either just turn on the like the uh, the, ki- the 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 kitchen disposal and like you have that loud motor running, 
or um or uh like a, you have like that loud noise at like like a party when things just got a little too crazy so i uh, it's like the the volume has turned way up suddenly um on this chart so yeah. i think the week the week um beginning with the 28th that monday the 28th starts quietly after for for americans the thanksgiving day holiday for the world the cyber monday the sales of all that stuff um I think that week starts quietly and then sort of builds to what could feel like um, somewhat of a chaotic crescendo. But again, we have opportunities here because we don't have many oppositions. We've got a lot of squares and we have conjunctions. We got an eclipse. So there are opportunities to reconcile these things, though it will be challenging to do so. Yeah. Um, and I think you're right. I think it is about to get real, real loud up in here. When I think about that decan of 12 degrees of, uh, of Sagittarius, um, you know, having that it's basically the moon's degree. Yeah. Uh, so the moon is in its face there. I think about the tarot with the nine of wands and we see the guy bandaged and he's yeah. like, Oh, you just got to hold on. You're almost to the end. You know, then there's, there's the Lord this, of great strength. Exactly. The Lord of, of great strength, uh, the ability to endure when you're at your weakest. Um, and mm. you know, like, and that, that to me speaks of Mars and Jupiter together too. And just the clothing out of this Sagittarius Gemini access is like, you know, you might be at your, your lowest point, like energetically, especially with the draining of the, but you know what, like you, you see the goal, you, yeah. you know, you got, you just got to carry on. And what does that, what is that needed to carry on? And that's emotional strength because that's where the moon and Sagittarius uh, Deccan comes in is that it's like in order to be determined and to endure, you have mm -hmm. to summon the emotional strength to uh, get through this, uh, a situation. And then, you know, we're talking about eclipse here. This isn't just like the, the day it happens. This can be a mm -hmm. six month period until the next eclipse is. Um, and, and especially while the nodes are still in Sagittarius and Gemini, uh, we'll definitely be, uh, feeling them. And definitely when Mars actually gets to the degree of, um, the eclipse, which actually, when does that happen? Cause I'm curious about that. So Mars at 12 degrees, Sag, Ooh, what did I do? My input and skills. There you go. Oh, there we go. Oh, December 30th at the end of the year. So, and there's some crazy astrology going on at the end of the year. And so, the moon conjunct the south node at the same time. Moon conjunct Again. the south node. We got Mercury on Pluto and Venus at that around that time. So, so the last couple, last couple days. And Jupiter just moved into Pisces. There's something to be said about the last couple of days of December. And we talked about this in great length, mm -hmm. actually, in the uh, Venus Retrograde podcast yes, with Spencer yes. and Shu. <laughs> so lovely. we're just adding even more to the end of 2021. So just FYI. Um, but, you know, here we're coming back uh, from this eclipse on December 3rd, where we're reseeding this eclipse energy, which we always know is a ride. Mm -hmm. uh, and we got basically the first things that are going to happen before first quarter in Pisces is that we have Mars in Scorpio making that sextile to Pluto and the square to Jupiter, which yeah. we see in the eclipse chart. And that's going to happen December 6th and 7th. 
which is a Monday and a Tuesday. Um, but at the same time, Mercury is squaring Neptune, which is always a fun little gag by the universe <laughs> um, on, <laughs> on December 7th. So it's, it's very interesting to be moving forward with this strong Mars energy. But at the same time, our brains are a little scrambled with the, our faux Mercury retrograde that happens whenever Mercury and Neptune meet. Um, and especially Mercury being yeah. in that the debilitated position. So any thoughts on that, Jack? For sure. Um, well, uh, my, uh, my final thought on, on the eclipse itself is just that with uh, the moon being in its face, uh, again, its face dignity in the middle decan of Sagittarius, uh, perhaps a clue being given um, would be to look to moon things to find some stability there. Um, I mean, esoterically speaking, the, um, in an eclipse, you have the obfus- like the obfuscation of the lights, the interruption of the lights, the sun being like the light of spirit and the moon being like the the crescent of soul, but also relating to the body. And um, the uh, therefore maybe playing to the strengths of the moon to find stability in this eclipse, making sure you're attending to your bodily needs. If you mm. have enough sleep, if you are making sure that you're not skipping meals or overeating and that you're not over imbibing um, especially with the the, the, the Mars, Sagittarius, yeah, yeah the Sagittarius, Mars, and also that Jupiter. Mars Jupiter square, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, avoid over imbibing. Make sure that you eat but not overeat, and make sure that you have had plenty of sleep, and that should make the spiritual and psychological effects of the eclipse much easier to ride out, especially I think in this eclipse. And mm-hmm. then, yeah. So Mercury Neptune squares, Mercury Neptune squares. Um, not as uh, challenging as their opposition or. Um, uh, I also, I also personally find Mercury Neptune conjunctions to be difficult. Although perhaps that is because all of the ones within my living memory as an astrologer have been in Pisces. <laughs> <laughs> so Mercury has always, always been conjunct Neptune in Pisces and his stability. Um, but uh, uh, the square again, uh, again, it's challenging. But there's. Um, and of course, Mercury is debilitated here in Sagittarius, but there is there is opportunity to find some kind of middle ground. Um, if I so uh, Mercury Sag, if you can find a way to uh, to to look t- towards your inner vision or to things that inspire you, because that also plays along with Neptune very nicely. Um, uh, Neptune in Pisces, if you can find a way to express that via art, or if you're feeling some kind of way, if you're, if uh, the feelings that will come up surrounding this aspect are feelings of confusion, are um, uh, things being unclear, if there's a way to express that artistically, um, whether that's on paper or whether that's um, through like the spoken or written word, if there's a way to um, express that even um, through con- like through conversation with uh, with uh, with with a with like a trusted loved one that can go into a philosophical place um, that also can be an expression of art discussion of philosophy that I think that Mercury and Neptune is is actually middle ground that they share is the discussion of philosophy and um, having that kind of a, an engaging conversation is a good use of the square energy. So um, I'm trying to think of really good uses of this energy rather well, than just- Well, no, I, do, I, I like that because what, what we do have to remember about Mercury in this position and, and, and Sag and Pisces being lit up is that, you know, they're both ruled by Jupiter while 
Mars is having that square to Jupiter um, at the exact same time on the same day. So there's a lot of Jupiter action going on and we can have those, uh, especially Jupiter and Aquarius and air sign. And we talk about discussion and uh, just being, you know, like opening up to those expanded uh, perspectives that can come with, you know, all Sagittarius, Aquarius and Neptune or no, sorry, Pisces altogether. Uh, once again, there is the, that the, the potential to go overboard in some manner or not see things clearly. So I'll just give the caveat if you're out there maneuvering the transportation world and driving around and, you know, take your time with everything because this yeah. is a, there, <laughs> there's a, a lot of action out there and a lot of, uh, a lot of blind spots I could say, but it's also very inspiring inspiring. And, uh, like you said, Jack, if you are so inspired to put art in motion, because to me, that's also very Mercury, uh, Jupiter, Mercury, Neptune, uh, squares, squares want to act. They want to, you know, the, the energy gets so pressurized that it's almost like you have to kind of move in a sense. Otherwise you feel really stopped up. So, um, how do you, uh, kind of just get the creative juices rolling and, and brainstorm and work out some vision boards and things along those lines. When we think about mm-hmm. Jupiter, it'd be a great day to do a vision board. Granted, For sure. it, it, you, you know, you might not have, uh, all of it pan out, but, uh, Hey, you know, dream, why not? Um, yeah, I think that's a great <laughs> point though, Mel, what you just said as well, because it is in the nature of Sagittarius to be, um, uh, bombastic and preachy, uh, and all, uh, so, um, it's important to watch out for that tendency if you're having these kind of conversations, but it's also of the nature of Mercury to rule, um, uh, the vehicle, the car, um, and transportation, transportation on a commuter kind of level. <clears throat> and Jupiter, of course, is the planet that rules things like travel as a concept, right? Yeah. Like the vacation or the trip. Um, and that being uh, Neptune and Pisces being uh, fog or being lost or being confused. And so um, uh, for whatever reason, <laughs> the scene for those that have seen the Marvel films, like the scene of uh, Doctor Strange, when he loses the use of his hands, he's driving at a crazy fast speed on a highway in California. And he like looks down for a second and like uh, and and uh, his car slids off to the side and he gets hit by a seven, like a, like a, like a, like a big, uh, you know, 16 wheeler. And he goes off the side of the cliff, like oppor- moments for small confusions or distractions that could be like of the nature of Jupiter disastrous with Mars squaring it like, or yeah. uh, calamitous. Cal- so <laughs> calamitous. Calamitous. <laughs> that was so, like, a good word. <laughs> yeah. Making sure that you're attending to, um, attending to the details without getting carried away so that you can give yourself the safety um, that, uh, that you need when, when there are aspects to things like Neptune and uh, squares from Mars, you know? I absolutely. And I, I do want to just say real quick to play off of what you're saying about just the nature of movement and travel um, and having come off a Sagittarius eclipse on the South node uh, and us getting situated in what travel even looks like in a post COVID world. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fact that uh, holiday travel is coming up um, and, tra- and people still navigating travel restrictions and borders being closed, borders opening back up. I have a feeling we're going to have some very significant 
travel news, uh, one way or the other, that does seem opening more than closing to me, but there could be a lot of uh, uncertainty or confusion around what that looks like, or it's just hinting at something to come. Um, And so, yeah, there does seem to be, or like an opening up, but within restrictions, like, oh, you can now go to these places, but you, you have to do this, this, and this. Um, in order for for that to happen. So that's another thing I'm thinking. Right. Like proof of vaccination. I could easily see this uh, this Mars in Scorpio squaring Jupiter being um, being a certain population, you know, objecting to the like one of the things that Jupiter in, in Aquarius has signified certainly has been the advent of the vaccines and um, uh, Mars being so strongly placed in Scorpio squaring Jupiter. Um, certainly could represent the portion of the population that objects to being asked to be vaccinated. And there are persons that have some persons that have very good reasons, some, some persons that, that have an, um, less great reasons to not be vaccinated um, that run the gamut. And I don't want to judge people for their choices. That's not why I'm making the statement, but this aspect certainly could relate in the beginning of December to issues, especially with the expansion of the age groups that are now qualified to receive vaccines, mm, yeah. five and up, um, we could see conflict around holiday travel and the new vaccine requirements. I know that in the District of Columbia, as well as most major cities, you cannot go out to eat at most restaurants without showing at the front door your proof of vaccination, regardless of whether or not you've actually had the illness. So, um, uh, which I know that natural immunity was something some people were you know, touting is, you know, I've, I've actually had the illness. Why do I need to be vaccinated? That was another argument people were having. And it's just regulations are what they are in certain places. So I could certainly see that being a very prominent issue as holiday travel starts to happen. Yeah. Yeah. And so and there's, there's the confusion. Where do we, uh, uh, you know, and, and Jupiter uh, being and Venus both. Uh, for different reasons, being those points of, of justice, fairness, equality, et cetera. And, and Venus is just slowly, slowly moving to Pluto. So we're going to talk about <laughs> that, um, which, okay, so we move on. We have our first quarter at 19 degrees and 13 minutes of Pisces on Friday, December uh, 12th. Let me look up that there. Um, why did I say 12th? I meant 10th. <laughs> Look at that. I'm like, this is December's number. Um, December 10th. Uh, so there's interesting first quarter on Pisces, on uh, in Pisces, on Neptune, basically. Uh, mm-hmm. Pretty much exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's interesting being pushed forward in the lunar cycle and not just any old lunar cycle. It's an eclipse cycle uh, on Neptune, basically. Neptune and Pisces. Mm-hmm. Um, while the next day we have Venus conjunct Pluto for that first pass. We have Mercury sextile Jupiter, and we have the Sun square Neptune on the same day, obviously, because we are looking at first quarter. Uh, and so the Friday, Saturday, the 10th and the 11th of December, I mean, it's like the kitchen sink of uh, of astrology <laughs> altogether. Oh my gosh, sort of. yes. Yeah, so I don't know. <laughs> I mean, Venus-Pluto, of course, is a larger story there, but also Neptune. I mean, what Jack, what do you think? Well, the the Moon Neptune conjunction is one that that can um, feel lovely on a personal level. Um, I it's it's a great one to Netflix and chill on. (laughs) Absolutely, definitely one to get lost in your favorite novel or or some really great cinema. Um, uh, 
a it's uh, definitely one as we were talking about access before, um, especially with you know the sun being in a natural square at that uh, aspect and also squaring Neptune therefore, and being in Sagittarius access access access. So um, if you do like to enjoy a nice bottle of wine when you Netflix and chill, um, uh, perhaps uh, don't buy a box of wine. Have just the bottle. Just the bottle. Just one. Yeah. So just watch for uh, limits of uh, of intake. I think on a on a societal level that will indicate. Um, I, us entering into about a, you know, a week long period leading up to the full moon of an excessive week. That's also a confusing one. Um, uh, that is what I think on that sort of medium level. Uh, I also think that with the, the first pass of Venus and Pluto, um, this is really where, um, we start to get that first aspect of uh, of of the triple hit, where we're getting the first. Um, whenever you have a triple hit, right, you have the first, second, and third pass. The first pass um, gives you the uh, the clues as to what this transit specifically is going to mean for you. Um, the second pass is the uh, the refinement or the tweaking of the direction you want to take this transit in and the third and final pass is the solidifying of your choices. Right. Mm. And so, um, uh, you, we never know what the transit will be for ourselves until it happens. We can make as many predictions as we'd like. And <laughs> Amen to themes, that. <laughs> but the transit doesn't happen until it happens. So, <clears throat> um, we'll need to wait until the, um, uh, exactness on the 11th, the exact moment of the conjunction, uh, to see what that ultimately will be for us um as it takes root but um venus and pluto in general um is going to be about the things that uh that we value the things that we are attracted to and our shadow motivations which just to clarify something about shadow motivations um i think that just because shadows are associated with darkness that oftentimes when we say shadow motivations people think of dark or ulterior in a negative sense motivations Anything that lives in the shadow of ourselves is just something that lives in the unconscious. So Pluto ruling the shadow side of ourselves rules everything in the unconscious of ourselves, which can include a lot of positive things. They're just unseen. So it doesn't necessarily have to be all bad, but it but we don't know what we don't know. Yeah. And so that's there's an element of being startled when it's revealed. And so um I especially with Venus there, see if you can have a certain level of self-forgiveness and tenderness, a little bit of a willingness to self, uh, self-explore within, um, within the realms that make you feel safe. And then if we're just being super straight up and realistic about it, there is, um, there's definitely an element of, uh, of kink involved there. So for those of you that are in, in, in relationships or that are dating that, um, and kink is also relative. So that means usually often, um, uh, exploring something that pushes the limits for whatever your limits are. And that is different for every person. And those can be, you know, more or less, um, and this is not judgment, more or less vanilla, depending on the person. And that's totally cool. It just means like, like exploring new things that are of the shadow, which is just of the things that you haven't tried yet or that you don't know yet. 
So um, I, that's, that's what's coming to mind. I love that, Jack, because you know what I'm thinking about? I'm thinking about that Mars and Venus and that the misconnection. And uh, like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, I feel like this Plutonian journey is going to be like, oh, let's try this out. And you're like, oh, I don't know if I... That, that took me places I wasn't quite sure about, but I, but maybe I like this a little and let's go down this road, <laughs> you know? Um, so the safe I, word, the safe word is sextile. The safe word is sextile. <laughs> I feel like that needs to be a t-shirt. Um, yeah. So <laughs> that is hilarious because, you know, when we're talking about Capricorn and, uh, you, you, there, there's some kinkiness when it comes to Capricorn. Absolutely. With that, that goat, that those horny goats, you've heard about horny it's goats. Fine. Um, yeah, the horn signs, it's totally a it's, thing. It's, it's, it's a thing. Um, so, and it, it's interesting to think about too, because around actually on December 6th, the, the, uh, a Monday evening here in the, the U S the moon is going to cross over Venus and Pluto. So if they're going to meet, uh, there on the 11th, there is something to be said, uh, prior because, you know, Venus is, she's slow right now. So she's going to meet on the 11th and we're going to get that exact hit, but there are several days leading up to it that are telling us all about what Venus and Pluto are, are doing. And especially when Mars, uh, on that same day makes the sextile to Pluto. So the moon lighting that up, um, I saw that, to me, I feel like that is a, that was when the kink story might come in. Uh, <laughs> that uh, th- things are, you know. Oh, I lost you, Jack. Why can't I hear you? Oh, it's because. Uh, can you hear me now? I can. Great. Uh, sorry, little mic malfunction there. Um, <laughs> the uh, the moon, I think, opens the communication to talk, start to talk about the kink, the lunar function. Ah, and then by and, the weekend. <laughs> yes. And then by the weekend. And then by the weekend. Oh, get ready. Yeah. So <laughs> that is hilarious. Um, and, you know, the sun does square Neptune on that same day. Mercury's sextile in Jupiter. You know, give it give it a go. See where you end up. See, let, let that shadow play out to work. And there's always room to go back over and, and improve and to talk it out as it happens. You know, obviously the Mercury, Jupiter, there's a there's discussion going on. Um, and so, and I think of when I think of sun and Neptune too, there's this element of fantasy uh, and, yeah. and role playing. And, uh, you know, my Scorpio rising is coming out now. I'm like, oh, let's, let's talk about the, these bed pleasures. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God. All right. Well, that being said, because we, we are inching at a long podcast here. Yes. Um, let us move on to the fact that Mercury ingresses into Capricorn to join the horny goat. Um, and Mars ingresses into Sagittarius, uh, on the same day on December 13th. And of course, Mars is going to move on to make that conjunction to the South node on the 15th of December. So Mars is the last one of the party to basically make a conjunction to, um, any node, you know, like by, before they move, this is the last direct conjunction to either, either side. Um, and it's Mars, the cutting planet, which is fascinating. Um, so, you know, I feel like the the 13th through the 15th, uh, that Monday through Wednesday, it's also going to be a little weird and quiet in its own way, because whenever it's, uh, planets move signs, there's always, you know, they, we got to get situated. 
Mercury's moving to a quieter yeah. sign of Capricorn. All of a sudden, the roar dies down a little bit. But Mars is about to kick up with the Sagittarius energy, but in a different way because, you know, uh, it's just that fire. But uh, any thoughts on either one of those? Or Yeah, and it's, a, it's again, a strangely... This, this ingress from Scorpio into Sagittarius is usually one of any time you move from water to fire, it's usually a loud entrance, but because the South node is just hovering right there, it's a strangely like sneaky fire entrance mm. for all of these planets. And so Mars is going to step into Sagittarius with uh, um, one of two things, either a little more, I would guess, um, uh, a subtlety than he usually would in terms of its outward expression. Perhaps this is more of an internalized force of Mars and or an enhanced uh, cutting function of Mars, like the surgeon's knife function of Mars, Yeah, where, where the movement into Sagittarius represents Mars immediately coming in and, and uh, using its severing nature in conjunction with the releasing nature of the South Node to finally cut the ties to those things that were um, activated in that last eclipse in the area of your chart represented by Sagittarius. Mm, Yeah, I totally agree with that because there's something to be said about everything we talked about earlier on in the season with the uh, right when the season started uh, from November 23rd to 25th, because we had that sun uh, Mercury, both conjuncting the South Node and then them making their Kazemi, they're getting on board with Saturn. Uh, you know, Mercury's already talked to Jupiter. There's all these things that have gone down. And now we get to the kind of like decisive, I feel like it's almost like the ribbon cutting moment um, <laughs> to some extent, uh, where either something yeah. could be, uh, something's opening, but a lot of times when something's opening, something's also closing. Um, so there is a severing uh, going on, but I don't think it's anything that going to be coming out of the blue. Uh, I think it is going to be like, it's going to be ruminated on. It's going to be have worked towards, or, you know, it's, it's not a new story. It is an old story and finally getting to the moment of whatever that is to, to almost move on. It feels like there's a move on situation. Here. Yeah. It, Mars's entrance into Sagittarius coincides really with the South node's exit of Sagittarius. Exactly. Exactly. And if you use, you're using the true node here. If you use the mean node, the the south node is already out of Sagittarius at the anoretic degree of Scorpio. Or it's at zero. Oh, it's It's at zero. It's almost there. But but they're even more conjunct when they're, yeah, it's good. Once we get into, like, once we get to two degrees, the son of Capricorn it'll be in the anoretic degree of, of Scorpio. So yeah. the South node truly is exiting. They're actually using the mean node. They're truly conjunct partile here. Right. Um, so it's, uh, it's, it's really the ending of, I think Mars here denotes the actual final, final ending of the story of your, of the eclipse series in Gemini Sagittarius. I, I agree. I agree there. And, and that's what makes it even more uh, dynamic. With all that being said, and look at it, look at right when uh, Mars is there, the moon at the tail degrees of uh, Aquarius is making a sextile to Jupiter. So Jupiter is like, okay, 
This was <laughs> this is what we got here. Um, this is you know yeah. the Aries moon and having just gone through a square with Venus and Pluto, and so there is this kind of like finalization and, and understanding. You know, it's been a journey. It's been. <laughs> It's been a hell of a journey. Um, And it's the end of the year, you know, mid-December here. And so pay attention to the 13th through the 15th there at the beginning of the week, that Monday through Wednesday. And and these Mars properties, these cutting, these releasing, the the story moving on and and just getting ready Mm -hmm. um, for a significant uh, change. Um, And sometimes, sometimes it's the smallest of cuts. Um, but it's the, yeah. it's so grand what opens past those, th- those decisions being made. Um, and yeah. there's something to see just about decisions in general and like just having your mind on board and like communicating and going to, you know, cause we're leading to the Gemini, uh, full moon on, on Saturday, the 18th. So there's a lot of back and forth understanding, uh, Gemini Sag wrapping up, you know, culminating in many ways. Absolutely. Yeah. We're like, we're at a loss for words for. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just think that um, when Mars gets unburdened using his, uh, uh, the function of his severing nature, um, he gets faster. Mars likes to be stronger, uh, better, hotter, and faster. So, um, when you become lighter, you can become faster. And so mm. I think that, um, that's, uh, we can unburden ourselves using the South node Mars energy before leading up to the holiday season and feel lighter come the end of the year. Yeah, I could, I could definitely see that. And it is, uh, the, um, the eight of wands territory we were talking yep. about earlier, uh, the Lord of swiftness. So, you know, yeah. once you, once you empty your pockets enough to go a little bit faster, uh, could be a, still a little bit, um, of travel stuff going on with that Jupiter, sure. uh, nature coming, coming in and everybody actively getting ready to move, obviously with a full moon in Gemini on Saturday, you know, it's a very, these are movement oriented <laughs> signs and a full moon getting people in motion. No wonder so many people travel at the holidays. So we always have, uh, we probably tend to have a, a Gemini full moon happening. Um, but there's also something to be said about the releasing of the Sagittarius side and, you know, this whole Mercury Jupiter thing with, uh, you know, uh, maybe old stories or, uh, belief systems that are weighing situations down, uh, that we err on the side of, uh, facts and and knowing and, and more, uh, you know, a finite mercurial Gemini Mercury's yeah. move signs into Capricorn. It's more realistic. It's more Saturn based. And so it, it's like the party of Sag is still carrying out. Um, but there's this, there's the whole antithesis of the Gemini, uh, story and, and some, sa- uh, some Saturn energy that comes in with this full moon. But that pairs well because the full moon on the sat on Saturday the 18th at 27 degrees of Gemini um, is also going to be uh, harmoniously aspecting Jupiter in a trine, like exactly. Yeah. So there, it's like Jupiter and Mercury working together, like or the ideas or the signs behind them, um, but in this really roundabout way. I don't know if that makes any sense. My my brain was just talking there, just things coming out. <laughs> So I, yeah, we're moving to the chart here, and it, it was making sense to me, Mel. It's good. Um, 
<laughs> Good. So, so let's talk about that full moon, right? Definitely. Definitely. And um, one thing that occurred to me just as we were, t- as you were speaking there was um, uh, the, uh, just as a final thought to what we were, we were talking about, there was the, um, the function of the South node moving through uh, Sagittarius being a releasing or a processing of um, in the recent years of moving away from uh, uh, from idealizing the history of colonialism mm. um, because of like, uh, of course, in the States, the Thanksgiving season yeah. um, and even in Canada, um, the Thanksgiving season's a little bit earlier. It actually happens at the end of like uh, in Scorpio season, technically, um, but it still is around the same time of year. But I, I always, uh, the idea of westward expansion is very Sagittarian, um, like like striving forward into the unknown. <laughs> um, and uh, I think that the South and moving through Sagittarius has definitely brought up, um, you know, uh, decompressing and uh, deconditioning these ideas of idealizing uh, colonialism, breaking mm. down ideas down. Um, now, this uh, full moon in Gemini Making that nice harmonious aspect to Jupiter, I think it is a lovely, um, I think this is really a lovely full moon. Um, the uh I do 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 lovely full moon. The exceptions to that are as follows. <laughs> the uh the square between Saturn and Uranus is so tight and mutually applying. So yes. Well, earlier we were talking about how the at the beginning of Sagittarius season, the opposition between Uranus and Mars was separating by three degrees and mutually separating, which is beneficial in terms of a hard aspect moving away from each other. Um, this aspect is a hard aspect mutually applying. So it's like when you have a head-on collision. A collision. I was thinking of a head-on mm-hmm. collision. That's exactly what I was thinking of. So you have these. Uh, these planets coming in head on towards one another for their final smash hit. And I don't mean that like a hit song, like their final smash hit. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, And I, that is, that is really tight. So it's impending with this full moon, although the lights um, are, you know, sextile and trying to Jupiter pretty tightly. Um, in loud and visible signs. So that uh, bodes well, I would think. Um, Venus is real slow. She's about to station and she's on top of Pluto. So that also is getting to be a very, like Venus is about to descend into the, uh, she's about to begin the phase of her cycle where she is going to turn around and start heading towards the underworld, right? Yes. She's not going to be within combustion nearly quite yet, but she's turning around to face the cavernous to, entrance to face the, the flames to be right. reburnt, burnt in her rebirth. Yes, and on top of you know, you know uh, Pluto, ruler of <laughs> ruler of hell. No, no will. big deal. Yeah, not casual. MBD. Um, like or Persephone being taken by the hand of Pluto to to turn around and walk through the fire. True. Um, and um, and Mercury is by and large unaspected. 
Uh, or I mean, you see, uh, yeah, he's basically on aspect. Well, he's got an exact square to Chiron. Or to, uh, to Chiron. And, for, but for, so depending on where you want to go. Well, and so here, this is what I think, Jack. I'm like looking at it. And I'm like, yeah. in the in the true nature of mutability and duality, <laughs> I feel like this full moon on Saturday the 18th has some lovely aspects. Yeah. For a party, you know, like just a good time raucous nature people out gabbing socializing you know doing that mm-hmm. doing the whole thing where in the moment there is just a, a nice thing going on where you're just experiencing and exchanging communication and just uh, kind of going back and forth now on the global scale what i see here is i see more social uh unrest maybe uh, more having to do with a lot of the jupiterian movements that were like pushed uh, that are pushing forward under the yeah. South Node uh, eclipse. The fact that Venus is on Pluto and about to station, which Venus is a very social uh, planet, um, and she's about to take some sort of underworld journey that has to do with uh, you know societal structure to some extent. And the fact that Mercury uh, in this in the society based Capricorn is uh, squaring that very individualistic Chiron Chiron in uh, Aries. Um, and so to me, there seems, and then as like you said, the backdrop of the head-on collision of Saturn and Uranus. So the number one, this is a loud full moon to some extent. I mean, yeah. it, it has Mercury and Capricorn, which will quiet it a little bit, but, but there's, there's a loud and clear message going on. Um, mm-hmm. and so in the moment it can be just fun and enjoy your time. But as far as the collective is concerned, I think there's a bigger story playing that could be a little uh, scratchy. <laughs> yeah. You know what, this, what it feels like to me, uh, the picture that was painted as you were speaking, it, this feels like a party at the speakeasy during prohibition era America. Yeah. Like the parties happening yes. behind closed doors and it's a lot of fun, but on the outside, you know, uh, you know, Venus is stationed. No, nope, our values. We don't. We don't like to drink or party. Like that's absolutely not what's happening here. But on the inside, everyone's being social and communicating. And on the outside, things are tense and things are exactly. straight laced and things are are quiet. Um, but that also indicates to me that behind closed doors, there can be some ease again on the inside with um, with perhaps the family and trusted friends. Or if you're in a workplace. That has a great environment where you can feel like you're with trusted friends at work. That could be a safe space amidst a turbulent time. Yeah, I mean, chances are there's a lot of holiday parties. There's probably a lot of work parties going on right about now. (laughs) Yeah, it could be a great outlet during a tense during a tense a tense time. Yeah, so that's uh, you know, good old duality. That's what Mm -hmm. uh, that's what those mutable signs bring, especially Gemini. So. yeah, that's that's what we're seeing around here. Um, and so that really brings us to the last days of the Sagittarius uh, season transit, um, which, of course, ends with Venus stationing retrograde in Capricorn 
um, the same day that Chiron stations direct in Aries, which is always fascinating. We have two stations at the same time and two planets that were just very involved in the full moon we were talking about. Uh, and this happens on Sunday, the 19th. And it's the same day that the sun sextiles Jupiter as well. So mm. uh, we get that Jupiter juice um, from the sun and Jupiter sign. Uh while Mercury is going to trine Uranus the following day on Monday, the 20th. So it ends, Sagittarius season ends in a very, you know, leading us into the solstice with some interesting little, we were pushing forward with the sun, Jupiter sextile, Mercury trining Uranus also kind of indicates, you know, some sort of mental movement, breakthrough, things coming, like understandings, yet Venus is, you know, she's stopped and she's ready to get into the the Pluto. She's ready for her Pluto journey. Uh, yes. And something about that Chiron uh, action is is moving forward uh, after being tested from a full moon in Gemini. Um, yeah. So, what do you think, Jack? The way the Sag se- season ends. <laughs> I mean, I think that the Sag season um, it uh, it ends with uh, ends with a bang rather than a whimper. Um, uh, and I think that it also sets us up for, um, really for the, uh, the beginnings of the, um, the Venus retrograde. I really feel like there's a, there's a huge, I, I, uh, I know the beginning of the month felt like afterglow and this now feels like introduction, like the whole, the whole month really has felt like a a very big uh, shifting of the tides. And this feels like finally we're being reintroduced into the new chapter. Mm. Um, so uh, the, the chart at the beginning of the month, definitely uh, I like the word afterglow for that, for that moment. And the, the entire season has that feeling of the ember slowly, um, slowly uh, dimming and turning into a new story. And I think that with this, we're really starting the the Saturn Uranus mutually applying final square. The beginning of the Venus retrograde are really introducing us to that new story that'll coincide with the nodal ingress to the next um, uh, sign polarity of Taurus and Scorpio. And um, so this very mutable season, which is always a transitional one to begin with, is really fulfilling its role as a transition. Um, and for those that follow uh, the tarot, I, um, I I had drawn three cards at the beginning um, uh, just for this season, um, and they were uh, the Hermit, the Wheel of Fortune, and the Ace of Cups. Um, and I don't want to get too heavily into that, but that was more of an optimistic pull than I had thought for this season, given the eclipse, given some of the um, uh, you know some of the astrology that was that's already been out there about this upcoming month. I think there's been a lot of anxiety about the uh, the lunar eclipse conjunct Capit Al Gol, especially. There's been a lot of anxiety um, that's been uh, in the airwaves for a while. But I do think that there is more opportunity this season for um, forward motion, for um, warm times uh, um, to be enjoyed, for reconciliation, for um, I think there uh, for exploration. Uh, I think that there uh, is a lot of positive energy in this afterglow to bask in in the Sagittarius season, and um, we are being introduced to 
um, some energy as we move into the next season. This end of the this end of this Sagittarius season is really we're getting the introduction to the shakeups of a really significantly new chapter. Again, this is the third and final perfected pass of the Saturn Uranus square. We'll get a a near a, a, like a near aspect of it at, towards um, the the middle of the fall of next year. They'll get close, but they won't perfect again in this square. So this is the third and final pass, meaning that this is going to really set forward the the truest nature of the square for what it means for us collectively and individually. So there is a permanence to that until the conjunction of Saturn and Uranus years from now. Um, uh, the sextile, perhaps, but that's a weaker aspect. The next major shakeup aspect will be at the conjunction of Saturn and Uranus years from now that, um, uh, in terms of those two planets interfacing with one another. So there is a level of permanence to this movement forward um, that, there, that we need to pay attention to. The fact that it coincides with the stationing of Venus retrograde conjunct Pluto, I think is deeply significant with the rise of cryptocurrencies, with the um, the rise of inflation, which is at a record high. I think that we're about to enter some very um, interesting times that are ramifications of the times that we've just lived um, uh, with the financial exceptions made during mm. COVID-19 with um, the, the adjustments to what work looks like for people in a world connected by the internet in a way that has never been before. Um, uh, I would advise that we enjoy this season the way that Sagittarius calls us to enjoy things. Um, uh, celebrate and appreciate one of the strengths of Sagittarius is to val is to give thanks and to value uh what what we have and to celebrate what um what is there and what is real and uh I would love for people to be able to embrace that um with their families and with themselves and with their chosen families their best friends and uh for uh, for some uh I just I wish that for everyone at this time uh, of this year because I think that it will give us the best ground from which to receive the next chapter, which I do think will be more challenging. I'm grateful that I was here for the Sagittarius forecast rather than the Capricorn <laughs> forecast. Um, in that sense, uh, Mel, if I'm being quite honest. <laughs> well, there's that stroke of optimism for you. <laughs> <laughs> That's the, that's the that's the way to do it. Um yeah, we're in for um we're we're in for some things uh but all, not all for not, you know. Yeah. It, it, it's it's uh the the hard stuff in life is typically the most rewarding. Yes. So we're just we're just in that. Um and that's the beauty of of life and when you're moving through uh, tougher times is to recognize the presence of the moment and being able to get joy and to, to take joy when you can and when it's in front of you and to not um, brush it aside, you know, like you have to engage with joy, you know, put on the jovial nature. If, if, if anything, that's my word. That's my word for the keyword takeaway from Sagittarius season is joy. Um, and, and to chase it to some extent, don't let it pass you by when there's so much other stuff going on because it's like, 
it's easy to get mired in the problems of the world or the problems of your personal life or the the way that everything's changing and the fact that you know in the at the end of the day a lot of times we have little control over things but we do have control when we're able to um focalize on what brings us uh, joy, pleasure, what lifts the spirit, what makes us light and step, you know, like what connects us to the bigger picture and the spiritual nature that Sagittarius can really bring forward. Um, and letting other things roll off, uh, like water off a duck's back, basically in order to engage with that. And not that you ignore problems and you get into those Neptune transits and pretend all that doesn't all exist, but to learn the balance, because when I think of Sagittarius, I also think of the card of temperance because that is Sag's card and temperance is being able to take the spiritual and the mundane and balance them together. It's being able to have moderation in life. Um, and when you find yourself a little tipped on one side or the other, how, what do you need? to do to reintroduce that balance back in. But um, yeah, take advantage of, of, of joy and, and realize it's, it's, it's before you at all times, but only if you choose not to ignore it, I guess. <laughs> Absolutely. And I do also think that uh, the next blessing that's going to come is going to be a wonderful one. And that is Jupiter moving into Pisces. Yes. And this Sagittarian season is our taste of Jupiter and it will almost get us all the way to Jupiter entering into Pisces. So we do have that to look forward to. So that is true. That, well. that is true. Well, Jack, did you have a keyword or, or did we have Ember? Ooh, uh, afterglow. After that's right. I think you're yeah. right. That's the afterglow. It's like the and sextile. Because sextile. <laughs> the safe word is sextile. Yes. The safe word is sextile. I love it. All right. Well, we have definitely covered this. Is a, this is a long, uh, you know, but you can't get you can't get Gemini, Leo, prominent energy in the room together and not, and not end up with a long <laughs> podcast. Doesn't work that way. Um, so true. that being said, Jack, do you have a, can people find you anywhere? Do you have things yes. you wanted to share? I do. So um, I actually, uh, my website is GeminiJack.com and I uh, have uh, updated it. I am it. Uh, when the podcast releases it, uh, won't be up. I'm just waiting to get through this current moment to a better election, but uh, that's going to be around the, the, the very end of November ish. There's like a nice moment just to re-release something. It's around Mars's heliacal rising. So, um, uh, just shortly after this podcast is released, my website will be, um, back up again. So I will let Mel know when that happens. And I'll be posting on my uh, my Instagram, with, uh, which is JackPXMarsh, when that happens as well. And so uh, I'll be sure to let you know when that occurs. But it is right around the corner. And um, yeah, so I'm, I, uh, I've updated it with some things. And um, I'm looking forward to reengaging with the astrological community. It's been, it's been too long. Come, come back in. Come back. Come back, visit yeah. us. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, all right. Well, where can you find me? Well, you can find me at energeticprinciples.com. I always do blog posts for our episodes here that will have the guest information. Um, and also uh, the Heavenly Wind, my monthly newsletter mm -hmm. that is now coming out. You can get December's edition. If you're not on uh, my mailing list already, that will come out right before December hits. And I give you a whole uh, overview of the month and what planets are doing, little keywords of 
what the aspects do, some animals, some tarot, there's all types of things. And so uh, that is probably the one email you get from me for the month. Um, But uh, if you want to sign up for that, you can do so in wherever you listen to this podcast. It will be in the description and also on my my social media and Instagram at Energetic Principles. Uh, You can do the link in the bio there too. That will get you there. Um, And just a little heads up for the next podcast that's going to come out. uh, Gray Crawford and I are actually going to convene a little earlier this year to do our 2022 Planetary Roundup. Um, So I do expect that to air, I think, on December 13th around then. So definitely uh, hold space to check that out because, you know, we uh, another marathon podcast, you know, Gray and I are going to be going at it for a while, Um, but that's going to come out mid-December. So um, yeah. All right. Well, if you liked what you heard today and think people need to know about Sagittarius season um, and all we said about it, share this podcast with a friend, leave a review wherever you listen to it so that it can be uh, spread further. Um, and yeah, just spread that good word, that that wildfire. You know, Sag is like wildfire. Spread, <laughs> spread the inspiration. Um, and if you do find value in my work, you can uh, either provide a tip on my tip jar on my webpage, or you can book a personal conversation consultation and we could talk all about your stars uh, and what is going on there, especially at this pivotal time in life. So just putting that uh, seed, I'm just planting that seed. Um, But Jack, always a pleasure talking with you. It's a shame. It has been almost two years and well, not that long, but uh, 18 months. Yeah. It's forever an eternity. An eternity. <laughs> An eternity in Mercury Gemini time. That's, that's sure. right. That's a lifetime. Um, but as always, you are always welcome back to join me. I love talking to you. I absolutely adore you, Mel. It has been wonderful. And um, yeah, and an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. Yeah. So, and thank you for listening to us gab all about Sagittarius season. We hope you stick with the optimism during the final eclipses in this area. Um, and yeah. As always, may the stars be with you.